fear is a tool. But when that light hits the sky, it's not just a call. It's a warning. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC. We are broadcasting live right here on Fandom Empire on YouTube. Yes, it's Friday night once again, um, and uh, we are broadcasting because some Friday nights we are not broadcasting because we are a bi-weekly show. It's kind of weird, but just roll <laughs> with it, okay? Just roll with it. Um, you know, this show has been around for a long time, and uh, yeah, it, it's been a little weird the past little while, but I think the show has been better than ever. Unfortunately, um, my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold, could not be joining us tonight um but uh i think we found a good replacement i think we got a really good topic discussion tonight to get into very shortly but before we get into that of course introductions first of all my name is ben and joining me as i said not zach arnold it's my <laughs> good buddy our good buddy mr steven schinder steven welcome back to the show 
Hey, good to be back again and to talk about what is really a movie I have so many thoughts on. It's just, yeah, we'll we'll get into it, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of thoughts. A lot of people have a lot of thoughts about this movie. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, uh, I I reached out to Zach, he, even though he couldn't be here. He had a lot of thoughts, too. Um, we have a, a little a group chat between myself and Jake Damon and Zach, and uh, yeah, they were lighting that up before I could even see the movie. Um, they were about to spoil me. Um, thankfully, they, stayed, they, stayed, they they kept it under wraps, and they didn't spoil anything for me, thankfully, but uh, they have a lot of thoughts, too. Um, and I'm going to try to get uh, at least Zach to uh, send in a voicemail, so look for that somewhere in the audio version. That'll be an audio exclusive for you guys. Go, that's a little incentive to go listen to the audio version and watch the video version. Um, but, uh, yeah, this movie happened and I've been anticipating this movie for a very long time, Yeah, you know, and it doesn't help that, you know, pandemic, all that kind of stuff happened. And, you know, I think it was delayed a couple times as is everything. Um, but, you know, hearing, you know, watching the planet of the apes movies and getting into those movies and realizing, you know, the, the brilliance that was that Matt Reeves, um, someone who I really admired as a filmmaker and hearing that he was going to do the Batman. I'm like, okay, it's been a while because we've had a, like a true Batman solo flick. Right. Um, and, as opposed know, yeah. to Affleck. <laughs> and like, look, there's a lot of Affleck. I genuinely enjoyed it. Genuinely. Right. Like I, I liked Zack Snyder's justice league. I'm one of those people. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? And I, you know, I even liked some of the stuff that they did with, you know, with him in cameos stuff like that. Like, I think he was genuinely a good Batman that I enjoyed. Um, but it was a different take. It was different things. It was a different Batman, a, you know, a aged Batman that's been through so much and DC Universe was setting up as this old, this whole stuff has happened. We haven't seen it yet, but, you know, it's there. This implied history with Robin, all this kind of stuff. A lot of interesting stuff that I wish we could see, honestly. Yeah. Um, still. <laughs> and now he's still coming back. Like, we got Michael Keaton back. There's like three different Batman going on. Yeah. Now. Like, <laughs> right now, we've got three different Batman on the screen. How is this even possible? I don't know. But going back to basics with the Batman, just starting all over dceu be damned here we are with a completely new reinterpretation of of the batman character and i was very impressed i'm not i'm not making any bold proclamations i'm not saying this is my favorite batman movie of all time but i think it did its job and it accomplished so much and there's so many good things to say about this movie but um and we'll try to look we're right off the top we'll try to keep it spoiler free just in case anyone's right, sticking yeah. around that uh hasn't seen the movie yet because it hasn't been out for about a week now so uh if you if you're not caught up i don't think there's a ton of things to you know spoil per se but there is a good bit of things that like if we talk bruce wayne is batman <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> um so yeah, we'll we'll refrain from getting into deep deep uh, discussion and spoilers for the next few minutes. But uh, just right off the top, Stephen, I want to get your thoughts. I don't think we've really discussed this at all. Um, what were your kind of initial impressions of the Batman after seeing it? Right. So for people who don't know, Batman is my favorite superhero of all time, and wow. it's probably the superhero I've read the most comics of, and perhaps consumed the most like 
animated media from uh, out of all the like superheroes um so yeah I, I really love how this movie tapped into the detective side of batman and you know just to go on a brief tangent about matt reeves and his filmography like i'm like you like i got into his stuff with the recent planet of the apes movies you know i loved the classic planet of the apes movies um the mark Wahlberg one not so much but <laughs> the the recent yeah, yeah. but the, the recent trilogy did such a great job balancing references to the classic stuff while also creating its own path and keeping it fresh and matt reeves directed the last two of the three films of that trilogy and for me i feel like each of those films got better than the previous one like i loved all of them um and he's been on such an interesting trajectory like i recently within the last month or so i watched a movie called the paul bearer which is his first feature film oh, um okay. yeah it starred david schwimmer it's kind of a dramedy i guess but david schwimmer's character is so unlikable and like the he's stalkery and like the affair that he he does with someone it's just it, it's a bad movie in my opinion wow, so wow. to see that that was matt reeves's start and seeing how he went to well i guess the first thing i saw of his was cloverfield i didn't really know him that yeah, well yeah, back yeah, then that one is fine like i think it's a one and done watch like you know the shaky cam i can't like watch that rewatch it very much like 10 cloverfield lane was the better film like it's pretty much uh universally felt by the audiences mm -hmm. but yeah seeing how he went from what i consider a frustrating movie and then to an okay movie um i haven't seen let me in or whatever that one horror remake he did was called but you know planet of the apes phenomenal you know dawn and war uh those are the ones he did and so when he was announced as the director for The Batman, I knew we were in for something special. And uh, I was surprised, like, reading up the behind-the-scenes stuff of how Warner Brothers basically just let him do what he wanted. They presented him with this idea for a, a Ben Affleck solo movie because Ben didn't want to direct it. He thought he wouldn't have fun directing it. And so Matt Reeves sees the script, and he's like, this is... Val a valid interpretation but it's not what i want to do you know he wanted to do a younger batman like two years into his career and there was like no resistance apparently from the studio and it's like wow like he has like so much like they played ball with him rather than the other way around which is so surprising to me yeah that's crazy yeah it's uh you know it is interesting how their their whole approach to this and just like just giving Matt Reeves the keys to the kingdom, basically and do whatever you want. Um, and, and I was I was looking forward to that eventual like Batfleck solo movie. Like I was looking forward to like seeing what Ben Affleck could do with and and do something with maybe a more of a mystery, less of a action thriller like the 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 Nolan films were, but more of a you know down to earth, grounded. Thing, but still in the kind of the DC universe. I still like the DC universe. I like what they're doing with it. Just got done watching Peacemaker, and I think that's that's was an incredible show, and how it expands the universe and does stuff with the whole DCEU is just hilarious and 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 great. Um, but I think pulling yourself out of it and really like I go back to like 
you have to ask yourself at this point, why another Batman movie? <laughs> not not a sequel, not a not a Ben Affleck movie, not a spin-off, not anything. This is a completely, you know, start over from scratch reinterpretation of the Batman mythos that we've seen feels like a dozen times at this point. Why why are we doing this again? Um and, so, and I think anyone that like is not that into Batman or just vaguely watches them from time to time, I think that would be a good question. I think this movie does enough to justify his existence. To, yeah. <laughs> to do enough to say, hey, this is why we're doing this. This is different. And it is very different. I think that's the biggest thing that sticks out to me after seeing this movie is the fact that it is so unique and how it approaches the character, how he approaches all these characters. And the fact that it's, the, I think, the longest Batman movie. Yeah, probably. probably. It's like two hours and 56 minutes or something. It's got to be. It's got to be the longest, um, if you're not counting Justice League. Um, but uh, <laughs> but uh, it's the longest, like, Batman movie that's got yeah. Batman in the title. But, like, it is different. Like, and I'm I'm saying this as someone who I think general generally I grew up with the Nolan films. I grew up with those movies there and, and look at the dark Knight as the absolute gold standard in like just movie making in general. I think it's a perfect movie. It's an incredible feat of filmmaking and it's a great movie. And it, it's a, it's really a thrill ride of a movie. Like if, if you like, took the dark night if you were like to make it into a roller coaster it would be like the best roller coaster like it's just ups and downs and thrills it's just it's it's got everything you want from a movie um and i think ultimately even i love batman begins and i you know like dark knight rises i think all the movies kind of toe the line of like here's batman but let's make him grounded let's make it more of an action movie you know there's there is some mystery in it we're trying to solve something but that's not a really core tenet of that story whereas this movie goes full tilt into it's a it's a detective mystery story noir whatever you want to call it and it's not necessarily reliant on an action beat every five seconds right you know it is like there's long stretches where it's just people talking it's in, it's it's in capturing it's it's really great it's the, the performances are incredible i love it but I'm not sure if a kid wouldn't be like <laughs> totally bored out of their minds. Why isn't Batman punching someone? Like, yeah, th this feels less for kids than the Nolan films, even. Right. I think like there's enough. Like there's. I think I, I don't know. I don't know how kids. I I don't have a kid. I haven't been a kid in a while. I don't know how kids like watch movies. I know some kids are like really chill about just watching anything they want. But I think. For me, as a, as a kid, from what I can remember, it's like I kind of was living for those action beats, and I really wasn't getting into the deep plot. And like when it comes to like uncovering a a systematic governmental, you know, conspiracy that involves you know all these different things in the yeah, city like corruption, Boston, yeah, corruption and all this kind of stuff. I'm not sure a kids gonna get a whole lot out of that. I think they're just gonna be like, oh, Batman's trying to figure out a mystery. I don't know what's going on, but whatever. Um, and even. For me, as an adult, 
there's a couple moments where I'm like, wait, what's going on? What, what are they? What are they? Are they chasing somebody? They got that guy. I don't know what's. I, I, I'm confused. Yes, same. It's like you have to remind yourself of like what they were doing before and why they're doing it. But like, it's it's still an engrossing mystery. Like this is very much a detective movie, a noir movie. Like it kind of reminds me of um, the '90s movie Seven which, uh, I mean, it might be kind of difficult yeah, to watch now because, you know, Kevin Spacey, big yikes. But it, it, it did have that movie's vibes in terms of, like, the mystery and how dark it was. And, um, like, some people even compared Riddler to uh, the the villain from the Saw movies, uh, Jigsaw. And I know you're not, like, into those types of movies, but... Yeah. The recent Saw spinoff, which is titled Spiral, tried to be like Seven, but it didn't, like, it wasn't that great. Whereas I feel like the Batman did much better, like, in every way, trying to capture that sort of vibe and do it successfully. Yeah, it it's like, it's doing, like I said, something different. It's trying to be something. It's not just... This is not a superhero film, I don't think. I don't know if it could really be classified as that. It has a superhero in it, but it's mostly Batman, you know, salt, trying to going to crime scenes and trying to solve a case and solve this great mystery. And sometimes he has to punch people to get what he wants. <laughs> you know, that's basically the movie. And it's great. Like, I think, you know, the whole detective side, the whole Sherlock Holmes in a bat costume, that side of, of Batman is something that has not been seen. Like you have the, I think it was a dark Knight. I think that he does like the whole, like with the bullet and he like examines it. It doesn't make any sense actually in the movie, but it's like, <laughs> it's the one bit in the Nolan films are like, hell yeah, he's doing like detective work. Um, there's really not much else other than that. Um, and then you're dealing with, you know, the Joker, which is a character which was brilliant, brilliantly done, but also characterized as this guy's just nuts. He, you know, do I look like a man with a plan? Like, you know, that's that's the whole thing with thing. And obviously, again, he did have a plan, but it's more, you know, some men just want to watch the world burn. You know, that's the whole thing. Whereas the Riddler actually has a plan without getting into it just yet. You know, he has he's trying to make a point. In a lot of ways, he's a reflection of Batman. And I think that whole idea of this young Batman who's coming into his own, who's just starting out, who's still probably, even though it's been 20 years, still that vengeance, that anger, yeah. that sadness is still fresh for him. And, you know, coming off of that, I think he's not sure what to do with it. And I think ultimately he kind of sees himself in the mirror. He sees kind of the fruits of his labor in regards to inspiring people that, you know, don't need inspiration that, you know, are taking the wrong message from him. Um, I think that's yeah. great. Yeah, I think that's great theme theming. Yeah. He's basically like, I am the shadows. <laughs> yeah. For those listening in audio, I just put on a Batman cowl. So yeah, <laughs> but, but yeah, like this, you made a good point. Like, it doesn't feel like a superhero movie per se. I still think it is a superhero movie, just not 
as much like the conventional superhero movies we think of like we have had noir uh comic book movies before like watchmen uh, sin city dread but this feels even less like typical save the world type of thing than even watchmen was which right. is like really fascinating yeah and I, I i need to uh uh address uh joel in the chat um unfortunately i can't i can't put uh your your comment comment up on the screen right now because i'll try to do that a little bit later um but uh he sent us a five dollar super chat thank you very much joel and uh he says uh batman mask of the phantasm was the last theatrical movie to be a full-on detective movie um I've not seen that movie. Um, I know, I know it's it's an animated movie, right? Yeah, it, it's uh, part of the Batman the Animated Series universe. Like it came out in 1993, so mm. it's part of the DCAU. Um, it's a really good movie. Like Joker is also in it when hmm. he doesn't really necessarily need to be in it, but it's still like a really good movie. It's r- really high up there. That's great. That's great. I mean, interested to have heard so many great things and it's brought and brought up so much, especially now that the Batman is, is out and, you know, it's, it's kind of going into that territory that, you know, the live action stuff really didn't go much into at all. Um, and, uh, oh, is it theatrically released? I didn't, didn't know that. That's crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think most of them are like straight to DVD or Blu-ray or digital or whatever these days. So like, yeah, there, there are a bunch of them. So like, good luck ranking all of them. Like, I'm not even going to try that. Like there are lots of good ones. All right. Well, um, I think we can start getting into some spoilers. Um, I think, I think we're, we're, we've, we've kind of, uh, we, we've talked a little bit, you know, first impressions, whatever. Um, I, uh, you know, if you have not seen the movie, I definitely, definitely um, would go out and see this movie. Like, you know, obviously make sure it's safe. Don't do anything stupid. But if you are able where you live to get out to a theater, um, go out or or just avoid spoilers. Because apparently it's going to be on HBO Max in like a month. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So if you're not comfortable going to a theater, that's perfectly reasonable um, to just wait for it. Um, and I, I, you know, I think if you, if you've probably, if you've lasted this long on spoilers, you'll probably be okay, but definitely don't listen to what we're about to say. Okay. Don't <laughs> um, come back, um, bookmark this video, uh, stash the podcast aside and, uh, come back after you've watched it. Yeah. Just download it on a floppy disk, tuck it into your pocket for later. <laughs> yeah. Do some, yeah, and then like hide it from yourself and do a little detective work, you know, <laughs> uh, turn it into your own little mystery. Eh? um yeah okay uh, let's let's just dive right into this um because there's a lot of stuff to talk about and let's let's start off by just going through the characters i think um let's start with batman himself bruce wayne and i i hesitate to even say bruce wayne because right robert pattinson is playing batman this is a person that is um he he's not he's not functioning as a human being. He's just being Batman, and if he's out in the day, he has to wear sunglasses because his eyes don't adjust. Like it's crazy. Um, I, I was, you know, I, I think this is a different side of Batman in regards to, and, and kind of more illustrates the whole idea that I've heard for years, which is like Batman is 
the character. Bruce Wayne is the mask. Like Bruce Wayne is kind of the fake identity that he takes. Batman is his true self. And I think it's never been more evident than in this movie. Yeah. Um, I kind of expected this like around the time Spider-Man No Way Home came out, you know, they showed that like, you know, the way Spider-Man's arc ended, it's like he's back to basics, back to the Spider-Man that people are used to in other media. And so I I thought to myself, like after seeing like more Batman marketing, like I thought to myself, you know, they're probably going to have Bruce Wayne at a place where he's not quite the Bruce Wayne we're used to just yet. And they even touch upon it in the movie. Like he's not doing much philanthropy. He's still brooding over yeah. like what happened in his past. Like I think traditionally Bruce Wayne is the generous billionaire that we know, like by the time of his second year. But I mean, realistically, like it'd probably take a while. And even though Pattinson doesn't play the Bruce Wayne, we're so used to like in, in that fashion i can still see like the seeds of like he's realizing that he has to become someone who gives more hope and you know he sees like this negative image of of like rich people which is it's very believable like people have those opinions in the real world and so you can imagine that he's gonna try to do what he can even without the cowl like day and night yeah um yeah it it is interesting i just love the idea that like like this is maybe the most realistic approach to batman yeah even more so than the nolan films (laughs) yeah i mean i think the nolan films were trying to be very grounded but still you had him like you know very you know there was still a little mysticism to it you had the raza ghoul stuff in there and being trained and all this kind of stuff then you have this really big suit and he can't turn his head still and all this kind of stuff at least at first <laughs> you know that whole thing and then having but having a like he's still a functioning adult he's still like this playboy whatever and he's he puts it on strongly at certain points i bought yeah, his hotel or whatever else. yeah trying to act all arrogant to sort of throw off the scent right so he does all that i think christian bale still like being able to play both batman and and Bruce Wayne, I think he does it brilliantly. But this is Pattinson goes all in on being a realistic Batman in the sense that, okay, truly, if someone in the real world was truly like distraught enough, had enough <laughs> problems that they decided to <laughs> fix those problems by dressing up as a bat and going out and punching people in the yeah. middle of the night. <laughs> They've got issues, and maybe they wouldn't be, maybe they wouldn't uh, be functioning quite as a normal adult. Maybe they would be just, you know, staying in and being recluse and not appearing in, you know, in plain sight and not doing necessarily logical things in regards to like, hey, I can dress up as a bat and go punch people, but I can also <laughs> like do something with the billions of dollars that i have just sitting in the bank um he hasn't gotten that far yet he's still in a way an immature person an immature batman a someone who's got maybe a little a few screws loose um and but ultimately also i like his suit like i like the fact that it looks like his suit looks like something that someone would have cobbled together in their garage that it would 
work like that. And the best detail, I want to tell you my favorite detail about the suit. Now we'll get to Joel. Joel sent us another super chat. You are most generous and I'm a sir. Um, my absolute favorite detail about this Batman is the eyeliner. Is the eyeliner. Oh, yeah. Notice, <laughs> notice in other Batman, and not just Batman, but other things where they have to wear a mask. And it's clearly like, if you if you look like you know how a mask works, it's got to fit around the eyes. There has to be a certain amount of thing. And if you're a white dude, like Batman <laughs> usually is, there's going to be a little white around it. So, of course, you put some makeup around it to make it all blend together and looks great. You watch like Batman v Superman. And in the in the in the nightmare sequence, when Batman is captured and he's wearing the cowl and he's clearly got the makeup on and then Batman snatches the thing off like they cleverly like edit it so like the makeup's not there even though you know it is and they do that with everything I think they even did it on Arrow and stuff like that when they would wear masks and like that too this one is like he takes the mask off the eyeliner's still there that makes sense that's logically speaking I know it's so stupid but I love it (laughs) Yeah, it's, I mean, it's not like this, right, where you'll have a light in a room and it'll just make the eyes look dark automatically. Like, it's it's not like that. But yeah, like the eyeliner is a really good detail. I agree. And I also really like how it hammers home that this is early in Batman's career. Like when he steps on that ledge, he's not perching on there like a gargoyle and like he's fearless and has done this before he's he's like legitimately scared of jumping and when he tries flying and parachuting like he messes up like he's still oh, trying to work man, out the kinks of this so hard yeah <laughs> i i was like it was nobody in my theater but i'm like oh i was like totally like oh man that hurt like the way he came and also the fact that he doesn't like the have these magical wings he just has a has a squirrel suit <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> Yeah, there's your squirrel girl movie, I guess. <laughs> um, okay, I should I should mention um Joel Davis again with another five dollar super chat. Thank you so much, my friend. Um he says, uh one thing I love about this film is that this is a Gotham that is a legit scary and I believe is a complete dump as well. <laughs> Unlike <laughs> the Nolan films. I Joel brings up a great point. I loved Gotham in this. I loved like yeah. the the mythos and everything going on in Gotham because like if you look at the Nolan films there's a bit of like a disconnect especially between Batman Begins and Dark Knight yeah it goes from like Blade Runner to just Chicago like you have especially towards the end the third act of Batman Begins it's like oh it's this all this gothic stuff and whatever all these back alleys and whatever like it looks really cool so much steam yeah right so much steam and (laughs) you know it looks really cool but then like you get the dark night it's like it's chicago (laughs) chicago (laughs) yeah Uh, which looks great like it does looks great like there's some iconic stuff and every time i'm in chicago i'm like that's where they that's where they filmed that and whatever else like it's really cool but like it's not it's not as interesting as like what you know uh tim burton was doing back in the 80s and night you know early 90s with yeah. you know the original batman movies and I, I liked that they kind of had a mix of the two there was all this kind of like all the gothic stuff was kind of like clearly like part of their history and it was like kind of old and outdated and whatever and there was obviously new stuff but then they had like their own version of Times square 
I'm all like I'm always taken out of it when they're like, okay, here's another city. We're in Metropolis, but it's clearly New York. <laughs> it's like it's clearly like Times Square. Like they made a point to like create this like new environment and there's a city center and all this kind of stuff. It looks really cool. So they kind of have a mix of the old and the new. And I really like that. I like that, you know, Gotham felt like a real place. It felt like a place that's been lived in. And it felt like a place you could maybe even go to, which is cool. Yeah, with the Burton films, it was kind of a mix between 1940s uh, architecture and Gothic architecture, and even more Gothic in Batman Returns, which is why that one is my favorite of those 80s and 90s films. Um, And then, yeah, like in the TV show Gotham, you have like a mix of that as well and also in batman the animated series um here like they even call the place gotham city square if uh, i like I, I just watched the movie a second time and they call it something along those lines and yeah this is like a really good looking gotham i don't know it's probably not my top favorite one but it definitely felt like gotham yeah it's like it the the tim burton movies are very like it's really cool but it's also very fantastical and it feels like kind of a fantasy world which is fine just fine that's where they wanted to go with the movies and it's great but uh you know as far as like making it feel it kind of i think what this movie does i think with a lot of things it kind of like takes a bit from all the movies and kind of mashes together in a very balanced way it's not kind of like this is just a random city as with in regards to like what the dark knight did but it's also not this fantastical element of, you know, the, the the Burton movies. It's kind of a mix of the two, which I like a lot. Yeah, and right from the beginning of the movie, I just love the way they start off. Like, you get a sense of how much people actually fear Batman with the bat signal. Like, I don't remember if I heard this idea in a comic or if I heard Matt Reeves talk about it, like, when you're immersed in so much Batman media, you kind of lose track of where you heard different things. But like this idea that it's not just to tell Batman to come meet up with Gordon or whatever. It's also a warning to the criminals and they look up at the sky and they are legit frightened. They're like running away scared because they know, oh, snap, the Batman is out. I got to get out of here. <laughs> I just love that intro. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that that was great. I love that. Yeah, we even see uh, you know the you know the people with the face paintings, the one with the half the face painted. Uh, that's probably a not so subtle nod to Two Face, but the actor who played that person, uh, he played Tim Drake in Titans season three. Yeah, I think I saw that. Yeah, so I'm curious about like which one he did first. I'm trying to like look that up like right now. Um, the Batman at this point has been filmed like so long ago. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Titan season three filmed October, 2020 to June, 2021. So I'm guessing he probably did the Batman first and kind of got his foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I kind of wonder if they would want to play around with making him Robin in this as well, or if it's just like, a neat little thing just one of those dc things of reusing the same character for other things i did get robin vibes from him 
I got the whole like just they were doing something like in any time a movie lingers on a character more than five seconds, you know, um, you start thinking things. Um, but the fact that he's like, you know, a named actor and, you know, could be and I as grounded as this is, I think the the Nolan trilogy, I think subversion to like not doing Robin, I think, you know, I get why they did it, but like I would love to see a more grounded Batman tackle Robin and have it show have him show up in some way and, and see how that would work in this universe. Yeah, it, it would probably be a while, but like traditionally Robin becomes his sidekick in year three, but I don't know if they would do that like that soon in this universe. Like I kind of have an idea of where they'd go next, but we'll get there later, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So hitting up another character that I, uh, I, I really liked, and I think one that was done very well, I think probably why one of the best interpretations of Catwoman is yeah. Zoe Kravitz's, you know, interpretation of Selena Kyle. And, you know, she does like, you know, there's sections of this movie where she's not around and she kind of disappears. But where she is, where she is, she's like very prominent and a big part of the plot. And I think that's one thing this movie does well is that, yes, it's the Batman, but like Jim Gordon, Selena Kyle, they all have their places in here. Right. Um, And it's not, you know, and they're all informing Batman's character. And that's what I appreciated about her, especially is that, you know, not only just a great performance, but also well-written you know, a, a pivotal part of the plot, you know, her family history is caught up in all this too. She has a stake in it. And, you know, I think Batman and her are kind of back and forth, kind of informing each other's characters because he's trying to stop her from killing what's his name. And, but you know, he's, but she's like, well, you keep doing this, you're going to get killed. And you're like, yeah, you're right. Selena. <laughs> he is, you know, he's kind of on the war path here. So like, I like their juxtaposition and, uh, would love to see i know she leaves at the end but love to see her come back at some point yeah zoe might possibly be my favorite live action Catwoman. it's it's really close because michelle pfeiffer and michael keaton had such good chemistry in batman returns but zoe's interpretation of the character is just it, it's so good it, like you, you know they make a point of how batman and catwoman could be a thing but batman's first love is the city and when they part ways at the i know we're jumping around and i'll get back to like the earlier stuff but when they part ways at the end you know it's a silent motorcycle ride and michael giacchino's uh score does all the speaking it's just so sad and bittersweet like even though they're probably gonna see each other again just you're in that moment and just seeing that they're parting ways. It's, it's just so emotional. Um, and as far as her family history, here's a little possible Easter egg I noticed. Uh, so uh, of course uh, the big twist, um, if you can even call it, I guess for casual audiences, it's a twist that Carmine Falcone is her father. And this is something that, is touched upon in the Batman comic Dark Victory, which is a sequel to The Long Halloween. You know, both those comics yeah, were yeah. very inf- influential on this. Like, it's kind of ambiguous whether she is actually 
um, Carmine's daughter, but in any case, they transplanted that into that. And as far as her mother, I noticed that the date on her grave uh, marker said that uh, she lived from 1976 to 2004. And 2004 is the year that the Halle Berry Catwoman movie came out. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. So, like, I don't know if that's, like, a, a jab or if it's an unintentional thing. But in any case, I like to imagine that, like, Halle Berry in this universe would play um, Zoe's Catwoman's mother. Because, you, you know, reusing DC actors, you could easily do that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I do, I, it would have been, and, and she she auditioned for the original, like the Nolan trilogy. Um, and was yeah. Away for dubious reasons. Um, yeah, it but, was a minor role for The Dark Knight Rises. And there are all these articles about it, but after, after like all the articles came out, she kind of talked about how, some of what's being reported is clickbait and you know people can read like uh what she put out and like i guess it's another like reminder to like i i guess to like it kind of makes me second guess some of the things i read so but yeah you can see her views on the thing and uh yeah it but I, i'm glad that she finally got a major role in this franchise because i just loved her in this role yeah, she's she's really great, and I think I would love to see more of her. Like they kind of set up at the end that maybe she won't be in the next one, um, or maybe you know, there's been plenty. There's plenty of instances in movies where they're just like, oh, this character by, and then like the next, you know, the next day or the next movie they're back. So like, yeah, you know, there's nothing really set in stone there. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. she's going to Bloodhaven. Just give her her own spinoff movie or series set there. Like, do Catwoman and do it right this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, there's there's a lot. Like, th- she could totally own her own thing. And there's a lot. There's big portions of this movie where she's carrying it. Like, she's really in the lead. And, uh, you know, I, I love that. So, I think going forward you know it's gonna be interesting to see how they kind of weave these characters in and out and how different these movies are they basically already confirmed that batman 2 is happening um at some point it's gonna be pretty much probably um interesting to see like how the progression goes and you know what characters could pop in and out um not to jump too far ahead but yeah the joker's in this too (laughs) (laughs) briefly um and i love that 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 was I knew that going in. Oh, Barry, you did. Barry Koenig's brother was like on Instagram going like, Hey, my brother's in this movie and he's the Joker. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> like, why would you do that, dude? Like, so, uh, yeah, I knew that going in. Um, I was actually a little disappointed because I was like, okay, we're going to see the Joker. Where, where's he going to show up? And then he, like, he doesn't really appear, but, I, I like Barry Koenig. I think he could do a pretty stand-up job. I'm looking forward to seeing like what he may do with that character. But you know, will he be in the next one? Is this kind of a long tease to like the third one? I kind of don't want them to like retread. I think it was good to like okay, let's do the Riddler. We haven't really done the Riddler. 
but not in this way, not in a serious way. We did Jim Carrey, which like, right. yeah, good casting, but also kind of weird. Um, <laughs> so like you, you have the Riddler. I like that they took this character in a different direction. They think, okay, let's talk about the Riddler. Because okay. I, I really, I did like this a lot. I heard some conflicting opinions about the performance of whatever else, but uh, I think Paul Dano did an upstanding job at kind of showing someone that's unhinged. Oh, but yeah. I love the moment where he's like, Oh, we've been working together. Like, this has been great. Like we were partners and like, like Bruce Wayne is like genuinely confused. So he's like, wait, what, what you thought we were working? <laughs> like you're a psychopath. But then, you know, it's this introspective of like, dude, you're dressed like a bat. You're, you're yeah. kind of crazy yourself. You have to look at who you're inspiring and who you're giving hope to. And, um, he gave that to Riddler, but I think Riddler just overall genuinely a menacing, scary villain. Yeah, uh, I'll get back to the Joker, like probably like toward the end or something. But yeah, I'll jump into the Riddler. So, um, Paul Dano, he does creepy so well. Like I've seen him play a serial killer in the movie Taking Lives. Like he, he's in the beginning of that. And he was also in the movie Prisoners, where he was very creepy there as well. And Hugh Jackman and Terrence Howard's characters suspect that he might have, uh, like, kidnapped, uh, like, done abduction and stuff. So they interrogate him and beat him up. So it's kind of like he got beat up by Wolverine and War Machine (laughs) and then woke up later and decided, I'm going to pick a fight with Batman. (laughs) Um, and before seeing this movie, I read the pre like the prelude junior novel before the Batman. It's really good. It's an easy read. You could get through it within a day. And it kind of shows Edward's um, and Bruce's lives sort of parallel and slightly intersecting. And you get a really good sense of how much Riddler hates rich people like long before he's the Riddler like he's not as privileged as Bruce and he's doing like all these street races which like Edward really hates uh, how you know rich people are just get to do all these things and he he touches upon it in that scene you mentioned like being an orphan cramped up in a room with like 30 other kids and um like his motivation like this is a very different Riddler from what I'm used to. My favorite Riddler is still the one from the TV show Gotham played by Corey Michael Smith. Like he feels like a good yeah. balance of the more absurd Riddler side and the more psychopath uh, killer side. But I feel like Paul's Riddler works very well for this universe. Um, like he said, very unhinged. And some of the crying and screaming that he does is so unsettling and also unintentionally funny to me sometimes which i feel works very well with the gotham city aesthetic here um and they make a good point of like without actually saying it out loud they make a good point of how riddler and batman kind of seem like the same person they both take copious notes in their journals and like when Batman sees like Riddler's journal and like all the stuff he's written out, you can see in his eyes and his facial expressions out. Oh, this guy is kind of like me in a way. And people are terrified of 
both of them. It's kind of a turning point where he realizes that he needs to do something different to differentiate himself from these sort of villainous characters. Yeah, because like it's a, at the front of the movie, you have the whole dialogue, and it's great that you know it's establishing that like he's been doing this for a while, and that people know him, especially criminals. And the great line, but also prophetic, of like when the signal goes up, it's not just a, a call, it's a warning. And but he ends up like realizing that he's not just scaring criminals, you know, he is scaring, you know, maybe common people and then also inspiring the worst people. Yeah. And I think that's a great commentary on like today's world, really, you know, especially when like, no, nobody's really Batman. Jeff Bezos, what are you doing with your money? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, Elon Musk, too. I don't know. They, they can't, they can't, no, nobody got billionaires. Nobody comes Batman. I don't know what the deal is. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it is, we all have a platform. Anyone can, we're hitting, we're, we're sitting on this podcast talking to a bunch of people now. It's great. Yeah, Ridware yeah. was doing his own streaming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, had like the comment that. section on the side. Yeah, uh, Riddler was a podcaster. Ooh. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you have to, when you attract an audience and when you attract a following and people look to you and go like, hey, what are you talking about? And obviously, I'm a podcaster. Don't take advice from me. Don't take life advice from me, okay? <laughs> you, if you enjoy my opinions on dumb movies, be my guest, but... Uh, don't I don't want your I don't want you following me into you know destroying a city or something like that. Um, just just, just <laughs> throwing that out there. Um, but you know we all have responsibility for what we say, and you know whether it's on a podcast, whether it's online, anywhere, whether it's just person to person, you know it. We have a cause and effect to things that we say and things that we do. We we lead by example, and and setting a good example is a very important thing. And I think Batman is someone who is just basically he's vengeance. He's all about the vengeance. He's all about causing pain to people because he is in pain. And to do that, he feels like, oh, I got to become this symbol. I got to scare people. I got to scare the criminals, which is great. But also it's not just about that. It's not about, you know, it shouldn't be just about scaring people. It should be you have to stand for something. Um, I think that's what we see at the end of the movie, which is him standing for something, saving people, not just beating people up, saving people, being the hope of Gotham and spreading hope. That's a good message. And I think that's a distinction I think that will probably bleed over into the next movie, which is like, how does he deal with this? How does he become the, the, the Cape Crusader? How does he become the Knight of Gotham? Yeah, it, there was that follower of Riddler. Uh, I think he's the guy who was at the memorial service talking smack about rich people. And when, when they ask him who he is, he says, I am vengeance. And once again, you see that Batman, uh, he's kind of setting a bad example, like unintentionally. But then when he goes down into the water and he tries to rescue people, you know, they're very hesitant to take his hand. Right. But then... Uh, you, you have 
the child of the deceased mayor, uh, he he's the first one to come out and take his hand. And it's like that moment made me tear up a little. Like it's basically yeah. kind of like how kids can see the good in Batman and look him look at him as a hero and like this is a first step to him becoming a hero to look up to like once the kid like goes and they see that batman is no harm to him like they all come out and they're like oh maybe this batman guy isn't so bad right and i i love that they didn't do the origin story again i'm glad this movie didn't start with you know, a, a couple with their kid in a back alley getting shot to death. Like, I'm glad they didn't do that because we didn't need that. And also, I think most people know that by now. And I think when you, I think throughout the movie, it's kind of like, yeah, you can watch this movie and not know, you know, if for some reason you were born on another planet and you have no idea who Batman is, <laughs> you can kind of watch this movie and go like, oh, who's this guy? What's going on here? He lost his parents. He's an orphan, whatever. You can get the gist of the story, but it is vastly enhanced and sometimes hinges on your understanding of like and knowing the the Batman story. People that have never seen a Batman movie movie in their life know that origin story. So, and you have those constant cuts and and having Bruce kind of brooding and and but also really thinking about that kid and kind of reliving that moment in his life through that um and i think it may be a touchstone for like him trying to figure out where he's gonna go and you know it's not just and and what better way to kind of illustrate that with someone who was probably the same age when he lost his parents yeah like when bruce pushes a kid out of the way of the car that comes in like disrupts a memorial service like that is quintessential Bruce Wayne and Batman right there. Um, ha- have you seen the meme going around where it's like, uh, because Bruce's parents were gunned down in 2001, there's a good chance they were watching Shrek. I saw that. And then yeah, there so- was another one that uh, Kevin Smith retweeted. And it was, oh, they may have been watching Jay, Jay and Silent Bob strike back. <laughs> Right. So I actually um, am kind of deep in the weeds of the chronology of this universe. So um, the dates that they mention, like the movie begins Thursday, October 31st, um, Halloween, of course, and ends on Wednesday, November 6th, which is my birthday, weirdly enough. Um, And those days slash dates align with the 2019 calendar. Uh, so I feel like they probably initially intended for this movie to take place in 2019. But later in the movie, there's footage of Thomas Wayne's electoral campaign. And it says um, it, it's like a 2001 ad campaign. So I guess it probably changed our minds about when this film takes place. Like it's 2021, but the days and dates align differently. Because I guess you could say alternate universe or whatever. So it, if they were gunned down... 20 years prior to that week then i think it's more likely that they were watching monsters inc before they were gunned down like that came out november 2001 and it actually kind of fits thematically because you know sully goes through this arc where 
um, he realizes that he shouldn't be, he and the monsters shouldn't be scaring people. They should be, you know, helping ki- bring joy to kids. And that's kind of like Batman's arc here. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's amazing. I, I hope that feels sounds like you're right. Yeah. Like, that's my head cannon. <laughs> it's not, like it's not in the movie, but your logic checks out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I love the thematic of like, you know, yeah, he, you know, they probably would have been. And like, I think the whole thing was like, Batman is like, oh, they were at the theater or whatever. But like, what, what family in 2001 was going to the theater? <laughs> they were going to a movie theater. They were seeing Monsters Inc. Come on. Yeah, there, there was no Zorro movie out that week. But yeah, Monsters Inc. fits. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's, that's amazing. That is my headcanon now. Um, do the Photoshop, do the memes, whatever, whatever you got. Yeah. Do. <laughs> um, okay. So oh, another character I want to talk about the penguin. Oh yeah. Colin Farrell's the penguin. First of all, going back to those, those first set of photos of like mind blowing. I'm like, wait, that's Colin Farrell. Are you serious? And then getting into this movie and I don't know how much is him, how much is prosthetics or whatever else. I really don't, but he looks amazing. And I totally see why, because because you're like, why did they have to cast this like skinny guy <laughs> and then put all this stuff on him? But then you're like, all right, Colin Farrell, you you did it, man. He's he is so good, and they're giving him his own TV series, which makes sense. But uh, I this is maybe my favorite version of Penguin so far. He's so good. Yeah, I think my favorite live action penguin might still be Danny DeVito's just just because of how absurd and grotesque he is. <laughs> but but yeah, this Colin Farrell penguin feels very much like a lot of the comic book depictions. So like when I look at him, I never think that those are prosthetics on his face. I think, no, yeah, that's him. That is his face. And he, he has that mob boss type of feel. And I love how they were able to work in how he waddles like a penguin when they have him tied up. Like, that was just <laughs> such a neat that. thing. Yeah, they're, they're like bits of humor in this movie. Like, during that thumb drive moment, I was the only person who laughed out loud in my theater because I just love puns. <laughs> I was laughing, too. I was like, this is, I cannot believe this is happening. But hell yes. Yeah, that was hilarious. Yeah, and... With the hindsight of that Penguin spinoff announcement, like it hits differently when you get to that moment near the end where um, you have that narration of like some criminals will take advantage of this chaos. So you have that close up of Penguin. It's like, okay, we're going to see his rise to power in this chaos ridden Gotham now. It is interesting how I feel like in another movie or just in another circumstance he would have been the primary villain you know and it's amazing that he brings that he looks so good and and embodies the character so well but he's basically just a supporting cast member he's just kind of there for a lot of it um and is kind of you know is kind of in the way and and helps you know at one point figure out part of the part of the mystery but you know doesn't have a huge part to play in the movie but I still I love that, and I love the idea. Maybe, maybe down the line, and just the idea of him being in this universe, not being a primary villain at all, just being there, being a, a character in this world that 
Batman is constantly having to go to and work with and then chase down and kill a bunch of people yeah. on a highway um, to, uh, you know, begrudgingly to to get what he wants. But that chase, man, that that yeah. <laughs> that chase was probably my favorite part of the movie. Um, and I love how just a just a, a convenient little ramp just opens up right for the back yeah. of the building, just <laughs> slides over. And it's like, I'm not even mad. That was amazing. Yeah. When I saw that in one of the trailers, like uh, I didn't really think much of it. Cause it just felt kind of like a generic trailer to me, but seeing it within the context of the film, it's like, yeah, you're really into this thrill ride. It's, it's such a good sequence. Like just how it's all pieced together. Right. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's pretty well done. I think most of the action is is really well done. Um, I like the physicality of the characters. I, I I love the whole, you know, like Batman really doesn't even use a whole lot of weapons. He mostly just, like uses the weapons of other people against them. Like I love the bit where he comes down the. He's in the nightclub. And he kind of comes down. And this guy comes out when the bat, he just grabs the bat and manages and just like pushes it back into him. Just like, you know, <laughs> you know, smacks him in the gut, then you know, whips the bat out and just pummels him. And it's just like, wow, I like you know, this is this is a brutal Batman. And he's you know, he's he's not pulling his punches. <laughs> Speaking of pulling his punches, I love uh I love the bit with with Gordon. It's like, um, you could have pulled your punches, dude. I was pulling it. <laughs> Yeah, I also love how Penguin and I'm I'm kind of embarrassed that I didn't catch this, but how Penguin um, showed, like, pointed out to them that El Rata doesn't make sense for like correct Spanish. Like, it would be La Rata, and like that discrepancy leads them to the URL where they uh, find Riddler's site, and it's just like a neat little detail right there, like how all these riddles are crafted. Yeah, I, I, I like that too. I like that like you know, when you're so deep into, you know, trying to figure out something that you sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees and it takes someone else to go like, What are you talking about? That's dumb. <laughs> you know, and it gives Penguin this great moment like, No, nah, that's stupid. That's stupid. What are you talking about? And just, you know, gets to school them for a bit. That was really fun. Right. So um, do you want to talk about Gordon next or Alfred I next? Gonna, I was I'm literally about to bring up Gordon. So by all means. Okay. Um, yeah. Jeffrey Wright plays a really good Gordon. Like I, I still think of Gary Oldman when I think live action Gordon, but Jeffrey does such a great job here. He can be a hard ass when he needs to be, but he's also on Batman's side. And I love how eventually like they have that question early on of like do you trust me and then like later on they're like the only people that they trust is each other and i just love that dynamic um but you also get a really good sense in this movie of how much the police can hate batman like we might have gotten flickers of that in other movies but this one really hammers at home yeah it's uh you know it's a developing relationship you know, I think within, you know, Batman Begins, Dark Knight, like it's, it's, you see the start of it, you see that they're not, you know, they're, they kind of learn to work together. You can see that in this one, I love the dynamic of like, you know, Gordon tr has been working with him long enough to trust him, to know he's useful, and also knows that like the letters are literally addressed to him and, and he, Batman kind of needs to be there. Um, but I like the whole idea of, 
you know yeah because tampering with a male is a federal offense (laughs) (laughs) exactly um but like i I, gordon is just like he's just a good man he's not a crooked cop he's also very practical in the way it's just like okay well we got to get batman in here let's get him like you know let's do it um, and he goes on to work alongside him and will do pretty much anything, you know, to get the job done. And he trusts Batman. Um, and then you have the other cops, the the commissioner, the actual commissioner is like, wait, what, what's he doing here? Like, <laughs> I love the whole scene. And it's like, yeah, that is the appropriate response when you're in a crime scene. And all of a sudden, a guy dressed like a bat just walks in the room like I know it's Batman to us. But in the, in this universe, it's real weird. <laughs> it, you know, if 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 there was someone, you know, if, if there for some reason in the real world, you were in a crime scene and someone dressed like a dolphin walked into the room. <laughs> you're like, this is weird, guys. You realize how weird this is. You realize how dumb this is. Um, but, you know, it's it, I just love the whole thing. But, you know gordon gets gets it done yeah the commissioner in this movie uh is an original character named pete savage but the way he acts toward batman it it reminds me of um an older character from like the comics and animation named harvey bullock um harvey is very much a foil to gordon and like he really despises batman and there's a really good interpretation of him in the Gotham TV show as well, who's like not so unlikable. Like I really liked the how the actor played him in that. But yeah, like Pete Savage felt like I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some Harvey Bullock inspiration for this commissioner character. Yeah, it definitely. I forget the actor's name, but you know, I think it's isn't it isn't it Harvey Bullock that's in batman begins that's kind of the crooked cop that's with what's his name um Um, with gordon is like his partner i don't remember him in batman begins so let me look that up i may be like mixing up my batman characters which yeah i mean there there are lots of characters um yeah it looks like it wasn't him in batman begins okay yeah well, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm trying to think of like who who actually is that, um, because I know the actor. Our actor was in Mando, Mando season one, two. Okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, I would have to do the research, but I don't want to do that right now. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, Jeffrey Wright, like rising star, I think, or or or, or risen star, like the guy's everywhere. And I love him. Um, I, I I it's hard to. It's hard. The Nolan trilogy, that performance is so good, but uh, this might be a close second for me. Like Jeffrey right. Wright, really, I think embodies the character a lot. Um, you know, I, I again love to see more of him. Yeah, I mean, Batman himself says he's a good cop, and we see that through his actions, like when he's trying to protect the the new mayor, Mayor Real, and oh uh, yeah, like he's very much he has all those qualities that you would expect from Jim Gordon. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I got, yeah. and, and they're keep talking about some kind of spinoff GCPD. Right. So that was show. the original plan. There was going to be a GCPD prequel show, but it, it got canceled. Apparently. I don't know if they'll come back to it. Um, it was going to center around a corrupt cop. So I don't know if like, Maybe they canceled it because of 
you know, current times and stuff with that. But instead, they're now de- developing an Arkham TV show, and it's going to have some horror elements, and that in itself really excites me. So uh, I'm okay with that. Like, we got a lot of GCPD in the Gotham TV show, and the idea of a horror Batman spinoff show, or like set in that universe, like it, it appeals to me very much. Like years ago, I outlined how I would do a live action Batman TV show, and it felt very crime drama with elements of horror, kind of inspired by the Hannibal TV show, I guess. Yeah. And this movie feels like the closest to like some of the, like how I would have done live action Batman. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, I, I could totally see that. And it's just, again, it's, it's, it's unique. And I think it's exactly kind of the kick in the butt the, the Batman franchise needs in regards to moving this franchise into a different direction, but also moving into a direction that's like in line with the source material. I think it's, it's, you know, scratching the itch and, and giving us something. I'm not saying, that this movie, I really, if I'm going to watch just a Batman movie, probably going to still be The Dark Knight, probably, or Batman Begins, you know, if I'm being honest. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this one is a, is a nice change of pace, and I totally understand people going like, this is the best Batman movie ever. I'm like, I get it. I get it. You're getting what you want. You're getting something that has not been really explored in the Batman mythos you know, not in live action films, which is really great to finally see. Yeah. And there are some fans who are being like, oh, if you didn't like this, you you, you didn't read the source material. And, you know, just being really annoying. But yeah, like if you like any Batman media, you're a Batman fan. Just don't be annoying about it to other people, you Batman fans. <laughs> right. I, uh, I That's one thing I don't let let this not a problem in Star Wars fandom that I'm glad is not. It's just like <laughs> the whole like, you're not a real fan if you didn't read the source material. You, if you didn't read you. Oh, did you read the comics? Blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, <laughs> um, it's just it's so dumb. It's just like most people haven't read the comics. I'm sorry. They just haven't. OK, you don't have to read the comics to to enjoy this stuff. OK, or to understand it. Okay, um, just how it works. Yeah. Um, uh, what What else? What else do we have? Because we uh, we've kind of gone through a lot of the characters. Um, do I talk we, Alfred? Alfred, Andy Circus. Oh my god! Yeah. Surprisingly, I mean, I love Andy Circus, but like, I think he he he's up there as one of my favorite Alfreds. Like, and I was devastated when he that package blew up i'm like if they kill off andy circus in the first episode (laughs) alfred like my god yeah when that happened i was like i'm not sure how i'm gonna feel about this if he actually died and like to be fair there is some suspension of disbelief you have to have when he survives that explosion and when batman survives like the bomb collar but ultimately there there's so much i like about this movie that i'm okay with it Andy Serkis is one of my favorite actors ever. Um, Like we've talked about the Planet of the Apes movies, and uh, he's also great in The Adventures of Tintin, and of course he's famous for his role as Gollum. Uh, So yeah, I thought he did a really good job like with the motion capture here. He really looked like Alfred once they put all the CGI to make him look like a butler 
Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you, you just smooth right into that. Yeah, I didn't even catch yeah. you. <laughs> Yeah, but I do love that they had him involved. He's kind of reluctant to entertain Bruce's new quote-unquote hobby, but once he gets to, like, the deciphering of, like, the cipher or whatever it's called, he's like, oh, yeah, this reminds me of my service days. And um, I think my – I'm probably making it sound like I love Gotham, the TV show, more than I do. Like, it had a lot of flaws that kind of brought some of it down for me, but – as far as like some of the characters that did well, like Sean Pertwee's Alfred in that show is probably my favorite has a good mix of the Butler side and the like military experience side. But Andy Serkis's Alfred is also really good. And it's like, after Matt Reeves worked with him on the apes movies, it's like, how could he not bring him into this in some fashion? I didn't even think about that connection. Yeah. It totally makes sense to, have him involved and i like that i like that you know it is a different take on bat on on alfred and you know it's it's kind of is he's not this elderly kind of loving gentleman you know like with the you know the, the batman batman returns and all that kind of stuff um you know and he, he you know i think we we kind of got with uh, michael kane and then uh, uh i'm forgetting his name but uh batman v superman um alfred oh jeremy irons jeremy irons jeremy irons um kind of sassy sassy yeah you know, <laughs> yeah he, very, he was like, like a mechanic alfred right like very hands-on like jeremy irons was like very like hands-on in the field doing stuff um but also with like d- just totally done with bruce it's just totally like i'm, I'm so tired <laughs> of you to going out every night trying to kill yourself with this um there's a little bit of that with Andy Serkis. I think just a little bit of that, um, you know, with his like, oh, you're finally going to be Bruce Wayne for the first time in a while or whatever else. Like he's a little bit, he's a little bit cocky, but, you know, he still embodies more of the the father figure that I think Alfred's kind of always been to yeah. Bruce Wayne and in, in kind of all these, you know, he is the person who raised him. Like he is kind of this person who truly loves him and wants what's best for him. And, you know, there is some left turns in this movie that I really didn't see coming in regards to, like, the legacy of the Waynes and the whole idea that Thomas Wayne made some mistakes or maybe was a bad person. I don't know. And, you know, Alfred trying to kind of cover for that was, I think, kind of interesting, a little bit of a, you know, a departure from what I'm used to in regards to these stories. Right. But I think Andy Circus delivered a really solid performance and i'm glad he's not dead because i want to see more of him yeah yeah like just the sincerity when he talks to bruce about how like every day he tried figuring out who it was that killed his parents maybe it was just some random thug maybe they were hired by this person or that person and i kind of like that ambiguity of like we don't know who really killed them i guess and how alfred was himself was obsessed with it and you know, he just really cares about Bruce and wants what's good for him. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's it, in the in the Dark Knight trilogy, it's kind of addressed very quickly. You know, in regards to, you know, who killed him, then, you know, Bruce spends all this time plotting to kill the guy, and then he doesn't get his chance, and you know, all this kind of stuff, and it's kind of it's kind of buried pretty quickly. Um, in just like, you know, 
oh, it's what inspired Bruce to become Batman, but it's not like the whole, you know, kind of driving force behind his character. Um, whereas this one is like the whole that story kind of hanging in the balance of like they died under mysterious circumstances. We don't even know if really Bruce was there. Like I'm, we're assuming he was, but uh, based on the the myth, the Batman myth, but. You know, he was a kid who knows if he could identify someone. So, like, the whole mystery of, like, someone killed his parents. They don't know who it was. Um, Alfred Dulles Reachers couldn't find anything, and he's just out there. And that kind of can fuel that of, like, okay, Batman's just going out there. Just any person he beats up could be the person who killed his parents. Um, he kind of projects right. that onto them. Um, but obviously that's that's not the case and you know that's 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 not healthy um, i think he kind of learns a little bit of that in this movie yeah definitely um I, i've i've recently watched the show pennyworth it's on hbo max now like the first yeah. two seasons and it's a really interesting take like it shows a younger alfred so he's like in his 20s and doing all this military stuff but for me like martha kane uh bruce's uh, well, you sh- like Bruce's mother and like all these other things. She steals the show for me in that series. And Thomas Wayne is such a hilarious foil. He gets frustrated with her. It's a real good show. I recommend it for people. That that's something I didn't expect to because when I heard they were making Pennyworth, I'm like, really a show about <laughs> Alfred? What are they doing here? Um, and then to hear you say, like, first of all, I didn't know that was the. I didn't know it was in its second season. My God. Yeah, there's um, a third one on the way. My gosh. Okay. Apparently you're not the only person watching it. And so like, um, so I, you know, I, I've been wrong about shows before, so I'll, I'll check it out. Um, sounds interesting. Sounds interesting. And Alfred is a fascinating character. He doesn't get a whole lot of play in anything really. So makes sense to give him more spotlight. And, uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, this Alfred can get some more mileage in regards to, you know, coming back around and, you know, uh, maybe he won't uh, open packages anymore for for Bruce. Um, just <laughs> yeah, idea. maybe when you see like a mysterious package, you just don't open it up and just you know right close to your face. Come on, man. Yeah, that that moment was kind of frustrating. I'll admit, like, why would he do this? But uh, like I said, it doesn't bog down the movie too much for me. It's it's like there are only like a few moments that I really question, but overall, I just love how like things play out in general yeah the the only i think my only complaint would be like that scene in the church where he's like bruce is right there he's right there yeah. in front of the guy <laughs> and he blows up and like there's nothing on his face he's unscathed like, you, you could you could get away with like oh maybe there's stuff on his suit you don't see because it's all dark but like you can see his white chin is still sparkly white and, you know, there's nothing there. And, like, how? It's not black with soot or bomb debris or blood because the guy freaking blew up. I'm just saying. Um, it's, just kinda, <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things you're like, you're just like, like what? Uh, that doesn't make any sense. I don't know what they were trying to do there. Yeah, maybe they could have, because I get that Batman really wanted to solve this thing. But maybe what they could have done was have Gordon try to run in and pull him away a few seconds before the detonation. And he's like reluctantly dragged away. Like, I think that could have worked because he's got like, he's got like Kevlar on him. Like he's got a bulletproof like suit. Like I can believe he can survive 
an explosion like that. Like, I think it's Batman and Robin where he, like, covers, he's got his, his cape, he covers himself, and it's, like, all, like, fire retardant or whatever else. He keeps <laughs> flames away. Like, I, I was thinking of something like that. Like, oh, maybe he covered himself with his cape or something like that. Um, I don't, maybe that's what happened, but it's not illustrated in the movie. So, uh, yeah, no, nah, not work, doesn't work for me. Right, yeah. It, it, it's just one of those weird things. They kind of just roll with it. And, and, you know, I think if that's like the biggest thing I can think of that I don't like, I think that's pretty, pretty solid of a movie. Like you had to nitpick like that um, because, you know, it's just it, it's it is it's 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 I will. The only other thing I will say, and this isn't really a criticism, it's just like an observation of like the movies long. The movie's like, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's almost three hours long and. It's not it doesn't feel that long to me, but I just remember like looking at my watch going like, oh, wow, OK, this it's been like, what, two and a half hours, maybe it, 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 there was a moment. There was a moment in like the where Selena Kyle goes in to take the guy down, um, take down her father, basically, yeah. um, Marconi and like Carmine Falcone. Falcone. See, you have Marconi and then you have Falcone. Yeah, and you have Sal Maroni, like all these different <laughs> names. Man, uh, the names, the names, the names. Yeah, um, yeah. So but, she tries taking down Macaroni and yeah. <laughs> but when she goes into killing, like that whole sequence felt like, oh, this is the end sequence. This is the this is yeah. the end of the movie. Like this is they're gonna, you know, they're gonna take him away and that's gonna be it. Like, no, that was not even close to the end of the movie, but it kind of felt like that because in my head, I'm like, I've watched so many two and a half hour movies that felt like an ending, but it really wasn't. It was, it was almost like the watching return of the King. You're like, Oh, is this where the ending? No. Okay. This is not, <laughs> it's not ending just yet. Okay. Just to hang tight. Yeah. That, that half hour where there were like multiple endings. <laughs> yeah. I definitely felt that like there were a couple moments in the movie where, it felt like it was almost going to end, but then looking at the time, it's like, oh, wow, it's there's still much to get through. <laughs> right. A lot. There's a lot going on, and they had a lot to think, and, and you know, with Riddler, I think I think it was a good enough, like, ending um, because it does build up, and, you know, you have the, the, the walls, apparently. Gotham City is underwater. Um, that's, that's, that's interesting, but... Uh, yeah, that looks like um well, well i guess we'll get into like where it could possibly go next and like i feel like that's probably inspired by the comic book batman no man's land it actually spans across a few different titles that came out in the late 90s and basically what happens in that is like there's this earthquake that basically destroys gotham and i think there's martial law in that as well and like all the different villains have their own territories and the oh, video game, yeah. Ar- the video game Arkham city kind of played with the territories aspect of it. But the dark Knight rises took inspiration from that storyline uh, with how Bane like blew up the bridges and like all, all the things that happened there. And the final season of Gotham also tried adapting it um, in a very underwhelming way, if I'm being honest. So like I'm very curious to see like how they'll do it in this series. Like the storyline itself is kind of a slog if you're trying to read everything, but overall the idea is pretty interesting. So 
like to see how Gotham navigates with now that's like flooded. I think that's a very cool idea. Like just have the next movie spend time with that. Um, but what do you think of that idea? And I guess I'll talk about the Joker in a bit. Yeah, I I love that. I think I would love it if like they kept this trend of like where this is a different kind of Batman. And, you know, I think I, I would love it if like it was something like post-apocalyptic, like almost. Yeah. Like, you know, the city's <laughs> like partially destroyed, all this kind of stuff. Um, That's one of like the biggest disappointments with like Zack Snyder's Justice League is that like I liked <laughs> where that was going. I like this whole like yeah. end of the world thing and they're trying to reset everything like that, all that's going on. Like that was really cool. And I would love to see a continuation of that, but like even on a small scale of like there's an earthquake and the cities, you know, kind of split them in sections and you have these things. Um, obviously it would make a great video game. Um, because you know, the, the different like islands could be like different levels or different sections or whatever. But you know, I think a movie could do that really well too. Um, and we where we end with this movie is not great. Like the city's flooded and everything like that. You know, it'd be interesting to see like, will it pick up, you know, a few years in the future where Bruce has developed more and he's doing more and, you know, he's learned to be Batman better and, you know, the city is in different places or it could pick up right then. And maybe something else happens. And maybe there is something that's triggered by what happens that you know they can't get the city back to way it was right away and stuff happens and who knows yeah and I, I was just um thinking about this like in new 52 there's the this sort of flashback storyline called batman's zero year where i think it was riddler who started a flood so i think there might be some inspiration from that as well like i, I really like how it's like amalgamating like some of these storylines like some are older some are more recent and yeah I, I just love how they're like pulling all these things together right and okay so first of all thank you so much joel again for the two dollar <laughs> super chat and also i just got your joke i read it like twice and i'm like what's he doing here and i'm like oh my god um so joel's comment is a sequel idea Batman versus Shark Boy. LOL. <laughs> yeah, I this... bring back Taylor Lautner as Shark Boy. Come on, do it. Yeah, have him play like Killer Shark or something, but or King <laughs> Shark. King Shark. Okay, I'm yeah, not opposed but... to it. I'm not opposed to it. <laughs> yeah, like I posted uh, sometime this week of how it's wild to think how edward and jacob have now each been superheroes and then joel commented it was like batman versus shark boy and i replied with a gif of adam west batman fighting a shark um <laughs> i've been i've been going through the adam west show recently like it's become a comfort show for me and i watched the movie from that and just like seeing you know that was another one that had batman penguin riddler and um joker like all the same villains it's kind of funny comparing the more lighthearted and the more like um dark crime drama stuff now yeah i heard that uh i heard that this movie actually pays tribute to the original because the the nose piece is like more rounded or i think the other ones were like really pointy and this one's not and it's just like the original uh 66 
Batman costume, um, where it's more of a rounded nose. Small detail, but cool that they try yeah. to uh, pay homage, maybe. Yeah, well, there were also um, live-action serials in the 40s, but yeah, like the, the ears of Robert Pattinson's cowl remind me of Adam West's. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but yeah, you could kind of definitely see like bits of that evolution yeah yeah and it's it'll it'll be also interesting to see like how his suit evolves like i said i think i like the the construction the mechanics of his suit that like it feels like he, you see the soles of his shoes are like he's just wearing work boots or something like that like he's just wearing you know basic you know shoes yeah. <laughs> that someone who needs to run around on top rooftops rooftops like that needs to be able to wear have some like gripping shoes so like it makes sense. I think his suit is completely practical, but it's always interesting. Like, you know, even with like Christian Bale suit, like there was a lot of improvements over the years with that one. Um, so it wouldn't be interesting to see like the Batman two, whatever that's called. Are they going to call it the Batman two or is it going to be the Batman something, something the Batman returns <laughs> just to make it more confusing for people. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, there's a lot going on there and we'll we'll see we'll see where this goes um okay any other characters you can think of who we need to discuss because i'm, I'm uh, again. yeah the joker so ha have you read up on like what they were trying to do with this joker no i i, I think i'm kind of behind on that okay so matt reeves has basically said that this is a proto joker so like he's not quite the joker yet and he has this skin condition, which is why he, like all he can do is smile. Like, I guess like there's like some skin missing there. It's like very obscured when you see him in the cell, but yeah, he said that he was inspired by elephant man, which, um, you know, it's a David Lynch film based on like a true story. It's kind of surreal. And uh, they had also, tried shooting a scene that was supposed to be like earlier in the movie where Batman goes to this proto Joker who basically serving as like Hannibal Lecter did in like the adaptation, like in red dragon and its adaptations and in sons of the lamb and the movie based on that. Um, also what the role that calendar man served in Batman, the long Halloween. So he, he was basically going to consult him for this scene, like in his, uh, quest of like finding the Riddler I guess uh, I'm kind of glad that they cut that out because you know Batman can solve these things without the, like a villain's help but this scene like having it before the credits like I really appreciate that like it's I do understand how people found it eye rolly like including a tease of the Joker like it's just so predictable but I do like that it's not a mid-credit or post-credit scene because if it were, then I feel like there'd be a lot of pressure to just make him the main villain. Like it would feel like they're teasing him as a main villain. But having him before like the final scene, before the credits or whatever, it's like they don't necessarily have to do that. He's just there. Maybe they'll use him. Maybe they won't. Like we'll see where it goes. Like, um. I've been talking like with another friend about how he was saying that it'd be great if 
they set a Batman movie in Arkham Asylum. That way you could like have all these different villains and it wouldn't feel forced. That would be really cool, I think. Uh, and just in regards to the Joker, I think like I, I hope they do save him for like a later film. I'm not sure I necessarily like it feels like a little on the nose is like a little too close to like the Nolan trilogy of like, oh, you have a, you know, you, you, you get, you know, you, you get Batman origin story, kind of, you take a lesser known character, make him the big villain and the Joker is, appears at the end or is teased at the end. And he's the big villain of the next movie. Like, I hope that, you know, maybe if they can keep Barry Kane gone uh, on contract, just hang on to him and go like, okay, maybe, maybe he doesn't show up till the third movie. You know, maybe he's just kind of a presence. He's there. You know, he's around, you kind of hear him talking, but he's not the main player until later, until when it's, you know, when it matters. Um, so I think that would be interesting. I, I would love to see them take someone like the Riddler, but not the Riddler and kind of do their own spin on it. Um, and also maybe I would be interested to see like a supernatural, for lack of a better term, type of villain, like, like a clay face or a, you know, a yeah, or the poison Ma ivy, you know. Yeah, or get really obscure and bring back the mad monk who's a vampire, like all the way back in 1940. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that would be, hey, you know, I wouldn't put a past and do, to do some keep deep cuts. So uh, we shall see. Okay. Um, we have been speculating about, I don't know, do you have any more thoughts about, you know, what you want to see in the Batman 2? Like, I know we talked about it a lot. I know I have a few ideas, but do you have anything, like, really specific? I feel like I've touched upon what I expect from it. Um, like, with the Joker, uh, I prefer when the Joker's backstory is ambiguous. But recent things, like, you know, the movie Joker have kind of made me more flexible on the thing. And seeing Cameron Monaghan's, uh, or Monaghan, however that's pronounced, his take right. on, like, uh jerome and jeremiah like i thought those were really interesting like one was more unhinged one was more cold and calculating like hannibal lecter so i guess i'm getting more flexible on seeing these different jokers with different backstories and it's a multiverse after all yeah and okay so i just told i'm looking forward to seeing them not do what the nolan trilogy did previously i would also like to see them expand the universe just a little bit obviously Batman's got a huge rogues gallery of villains. Um, it would be interesting to see, like, you know, what other heroes might show up. You know, do okay, here's a question for you Do you think we'll ever see a Superman or other Justice League members show up in this universe? So, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, in the before the Batman novel, they do mention Metropolis and LexCorp, but hmm. uh, I don't know like if they would ever show Superman or even just Lex Luthor in these movies. It's it's kind of hard to imagine at this point in time cuz like we've said this movie feels even more grounded than the Nolan movies, right. which is surprising, but it, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I kind of wonder, like, if there would be a place for some of those other heroes, or maybe some more obscure, somewhat grounded heroes, like, um, 
like the question or something like that. I think that would be really cool. Like seeing both of them be detectives working on a case. Yeah, I this definitely feels like they're keeping it strictly Batman, and this is going to be strictly Batman specific characters, villains, whatever. And they'll be more grounded. Not to say that they might not like, you know, do a little bit with like magic or whatever else, but I think it'll mostly be like very grounded, you know, things. Just regular people fighting other regular people. Um, it's not going to be, you know. Maybe a, maybe a Bane, you know, I think mm. Tom Hardy, all due respect, you know, his version of Bane was a little weird. <laughs> it, would, it would be interesting to see like a maybe more comic accurate, but also a more grounded version of that. Yeah, with um, uh, Venom. Uh, I kind of wondered if the stuff Batman injected himself with might have been Venom because there wasn't I like a speculation about that. Yeah. Yeah, because there was a storyline where he kind of became a Venom junkie and it made him more aggressive. So I kind of wonder if that was a tip of the hat to that. And it could be a hint of where the story's going, you know, in regards to, you know, his weaknesses. And and there's a lot of talk about drugs in this, not just like real drugs, but like the whole drophead things. Right. Um, they're like clearly made up for the movie, or unless that maybe is a real thing, I didn't know. Um, but like it's the whole like that whole thing could be leading to like, you know, setting up for like a movie where it's like, it's heavy on the don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> things. Drugs um, are bad. Okay. <laughs> just say no. Batman says, just say no. Um, yeah. Hopefully it's not that on the nose, but yeah, don't do drugs. <laughs> don't do drugs. Um, not endorsing that. Um, anyway. Um, okay. So I, I think we're, we're, we're getting, getting down to we've talked a lot about a lot of things um i'm trying to think of like i'm trying to look at my notes now and see like is there anything else that i didn't kind of think i kind of went over my whole idea of like yeah this is a you know this is doing oh the score michael giacchino did it again yeah 100 he did an amazing job that 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 just three note tone is going to be stuck in my head for a very long time like i think he he did it again yeah, like you have that theme that is very mysterious. Like it goes, dun, 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 dun. and you also have like the elegance of, like I said, when he and Selena are parting ways, and you have that music that goes like, dun, 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 there's the love, there's dun. a love theme kind of in there. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, you don't get a copyright strike for me like humming those. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh God, it, it really comes to that on YouTube where you like. Hum <laughs> And they come after you. Copyright, my God. We'll just shut down a shop. Go to just go broadcast on. No, no, we'll make our own YouTube. I mean, uh, broadcast on uh, Twitch. <laughs> just as bad or worse. No, um, no but, but yeah, I need, I need to listen to the score more. I need to give it more uh, of its due. Maybe I'll like use it as writing music one of these days. Jesse Bennett, I decided to accept spoilers. I'm here though, even though I haven't watched it yet. Well, I think oh, we well. talked about most of the spoilers, <laughs> Jesse. So uh, I don't think you're going to get spoiled on much, and we're not going to intentionally spoil anything. Go see the movie. Go see the movie. We're yeah, not I'm actually spoiling it. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, the, the spoilers, the, the music's really great. Um, and yeah, Michael Giacchino is, is a master, is a maestro of uh, music. And uh, I, this is one that I would consider like buying as a thing. I love the way he like weaves it in 
it's not just like in the like in the bad it's like really blaring it's like you can hear it kind of just subtly in the background when people are talking it's like that and then it really ramps up um yeah like like it feels different from danny elfman and hans zimmer like they each have their own different styles and michael's while it's while i feel like his music doesn't necessarily have its own style where you'll listen to it and think oh that's definitely michael giacchino or maybe i haven't listened to enough of his scores but i feel like his feels like the things he's done feels more varied than danny and hans's stuff all due respect to them they've done some great things but i think you you get what i'm saying no no i i think i think giacchino has like one of the he has one of the biggest ranges as a composer i think um and that's no disrespect to anyone especially john williams but John Williams doesn't like he's the the just epic sweeping classical you know theatrical scores. John dun, Williams dun, is known dun, for that. Dun, dun, dun. All those things, you know, <laughs> every theme, whether it's Indiana Jones, Jaws, Star Wars, anything, you know, it's all it's all very different, but it's all kind of in the same ballpark in regards to like style. Yeah. I think Giacchino, his strength is like he's done so many different things. He's done, he's done Lost. He's done The Incredibles. He's done Star Trek. He's done Batman. He's done you know Spider Man. Like yeah. he's done all these different the planet. Different, the last couple of Planet of the Apes movies. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. So again, again, like how many composers can say they've been they've gone so many different directions? And I think he doesn't really have like a style in the sense that, like I listen to that. I know it's Michael Giacchino. I think it might be actually a strength for him that like yeah. you can listen to his stuff and he's so such a broad swath of different styles of music that he can go to. Um, that is, is amazing. And it's amazing that we had two in a row with Spider-Man no way home, which was incredible soundtrack. And then comes back with a Batman. He's, he's, he's killing it. He is absolutely killing it. Yeah, definitely. But uh, okay, I think I think I've actually discussed everything that I want to discuss. I know as soon as I turn this thing off, <laughs> I'm gonna be like, "No, I forgot that thing. I was gonna t- rant yeah. about that for ten minutes, and I didn't." Oh, but, he- uh, here, here's one thing: the moment where Riddler says Bruce Wayne, and you think, "Oh, does he know?" And it's like I, I feel like it's still kind of ambiguous, but yeah. it feels like they're leaning toward, "Oh, maybe he doesn't know." But that moment, like, it just gives you chills. And you see Bruce's eyes tearing up, like, oh, this could be the end of the Batman. It's just such a well-acted moment. That was great. That was really well done. And and, and the it kind of, like, the whole idea, like, the Riddler holds all the cars. Like, he's he's in control and, you know, that whole thing. I think he that's what made him such a... A cunning and scary villain is because he he was staying one step ahead of him the entire time and when it all comes down to like the batman is the target of all this like okay he's put the pieces together um it's still not made perfectly clear if he knows batman is bruce wayne but i got the idea that he did but i could mm. be wrong um and it could, that could be something that comes up in the next movie who knows yeah, I really like the ambiguity of it. And it's like, you know, in the comics, he does find out in the storyline a uh, Batman hush. And there is like a little reference to that. One of the videos of the ad campaigns or whatever that shows says hush. And so 
Um, I can imagine that if even if he did find out that Batman is Bruce Wayne, maybe he'd want to keep it to himself because it's somehow more fun that way. Like he could like have his own like crazy reasoning. That's that's what's uh, this is so funny. That's what always happens with these villains. They have secret identities. And then they're like, I got to find out who Batman is. And then they're like, <laughs> find out. And so, and they're like, oh, I got to keep this to myself. Even though if I told everyone, I could totally defeat him because <laughs> I would ruin his life by revealing his identity. Like Mysterio had the right idea. He was a smart villain. He Oh, you're saying Mysterio part. was right? Uh, maybe, maybe. maybe. <laughs> that far, but uh, Mysterio, like, you know, that makes sense. You find out the hero's identity, you, you spoil it for him. You know, you, you ruin their life. Um, you make them Mysterio forever. <laughs> yeah, you, you make them uh, go to a wizard to uh, create a spell that almost destroys the world. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, right. I, I I think we about covered everything. Um, all yeah. I will say, and, and and to answer my own question from earlier, um, what I would like to see in the next movie is I think it would tie in very nicely with the theming of like conspiracy and the overall like the. The, the Arkham and the Wayne families and all this kind of history, implied history of like what's going on there. I would love to see Court of Owls. Yeah. That would be a good storyline to kind of follow this up with in regards to like, because the whole idea in this movie is like Bruce thinks he's got a handle on it, but he really doesn't. And the whole idea of the, you know, the Court of Owls is like, you know, it's just, vast conspiracy and all these people kind of in control and you know batman's out of his depth um i think that would be a nice place to take him in the future yeah that would be amazing like that that was one of the best things that came out of new 52 like some of the joker stories in new 52 i found lackluster by the end like they'd be hyped up and then the ending would sort of just fizzle but Stuff like Court of Owls was executed very well in New 52. So that'd be a really great thing to adapt into these movies. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think uh, I, I think being that it's grounded, it's a very easy thing to do. Just a bunch yeah. of people in owl masks. Come on. How, how hard is that? <laughs> um, okay. Is there anything else, Stephen, you would like to uh, bring up before we uh, jump into final thoughts and scores? Uh, I'm sure there's like a lot more we could discuss about this movie, but I feel like we've pretty much said like all the things we want to discuss about it. Yeah, I think I think we did pretty good. Um, of course, still time, guys. You want to drop a drop drop some thoughts in the in the chat or whatever else. Um, we'll try to catch your comments, especially with super chat. Um, but I think from here, before we jump into the final thoughts, I will uh, plug our Patreon because that's kind of an important thing here. It helps keep the lights on. Um, and a special shout out to our friends Joey Mays and Jesse Bennett for the support of the show. They are both at the shout out friend tier. Um, and if you join them at that tier, you have exclusive access to uh, an exclusive group um, behind the scenes info. Um, you get to be a part of the show. You get to have influence on the show. It's a lot of good fun um, there. So definitely go check that out and uh, definitely thing. And you can, there's different tiers for different levels and you know, you can't, if you can only contribute a little bit, then we appreciate it. You can contribute a lot. You get something out of it. 
it's really cool. But every tier you get at least a little something back um, for it. So that's really cool. Um, and uh, I will say uh, you get access to the show notes, um, all kinds of stuff. Um, and even when we do a top five segments like we did last time, um, you get top billing. You're the first people to get read off. So that's really cool. Um, and additionally, Jesse Bennett, he's actually in the chat right now. And I'm going to talk about his show because he also uh, put in for a little a little advertisement here for the question possible answer uh, podcast, which is a great podcast. Um, and this reads over at question possible answer. We review movies while also trying to incorporate real world physics into the movie and see how much the story would change. Sometimes it's as simple as what if this person wasn't in the movie or something like that. For more information, check out our socials over on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for the question possible answer. And of course, listen on your favorite pod catcher. Um, yeah, great show. Yeah, still going on. Um, if you need an introductory episode, go check out the solo a Star Wars story one because that's the one I'm on. And it's a good episode. It was a lot of fun. Um, and if you you need a little icebreaker to get you, you know, into the show and need someone to help you get into it, because that's that's how I always get introduced to new podcasts. Like a, someone from like a podcast that I listen to goes over to another podcast, and I'm like, oh, I have a good excuse to listen to a new new podcast. So that's all well and good. Yeah. All right. I, I was on um the Goonies episode of this oh. podcast. That was a fun one as well. Um, that's great. Yeah, and uh, we've been talking. Uh, we're, we're talking about uh, getting together for another episode in the near future. So yeah, subscribe to that and check that out. Um, I, I could kind of imagine like the Riddler question mark on like a customized version of like the podcast thing cover image. That'd Jesse, be cool. You need to take advantage <laughs> of that, my friends. I think there's. I think there's some Batman uh, iconography you could take advantage of. To do that, um, and. Uh, and as Joel points out, as he's been pointing out all night, uh, we are on YouTube. We are on Fandom Empire. Um, you can find them at uh, just search up Fandom Empire on uh, the YouTubes. And definitely subscribe because not only do you not do you get uh, uh, this show, but you get a lot of other shows going on Fandom Empire um, news, discussion, all kinds of crazy stuff. It's great. Um, you can follow them at Fandom Empire now um, and. Joel has been sending us super chats. You can come here to the live show and send us super chat, um, help support the show. And also um, you get your comment read out live on the show. Definitely. And uh, this is from a Joel. He says uh, he sent a $5 super chat, which thank you so very much, Mr. Davis. And he says, okay, one more serious sequel idea, <laughs> loose adaption of the war of jokes and riddles, Tom King, Joker, riddler story hmm. yeah i've read that one but i don't remember if i liked it or not there's there's like so much tom king stuff that like some of it i liked but then from like the wedding issue onward like a, a bunch of it was a letdown for me so but oh, but wow. i'm sure i'm sure that like maybe the movies could adapt it in a way that works really well so yeah maybe that'd be cool to see that is that is that's cool that's cool i'd I'd love to see more uh some more uh deep cuts in regards to like influence from the comics that would be really cool um so uh yeah it's great thanks joel again 
for uh, supporting the show and submitting your comments. And now we are on. Let's go ahead and get into uh, final thoughts and our planet scores. And um, I'll let you lead it off, Stephen, if you're ready. Um, give us your uh, final thoughts on the Batman and score out of 10. Right. So this movie sucked. Um, but... <laughs> Didn't no, see I'm that kidding. coming. <laughs> this movie sucked (laughs) no but yeah i I really loved this movie like the first watch i was just mesmerized by the detective noir aspect and like it's not a movie that's going to be for everyone but it felt catered to me and so that first viewing my gut reaction was like okay maybe this is nine and a quarter maybe 9.5 i'm not really sure then the second time around, I I kind of hovered over a nine. And I was like, hey, do, do I not like this as much as I did the first time? But once it got to the third act, I was like, okay, some of the stuff I really loved was in the third act. And with, like, I, there was stuff I loved throughout, but I, like some of the more poignant moments I felt were in the third act, which, I mean, I get confused when people say the third act was a mess, but whatever. Um, So... And like after all this discussion about this movie we've just had, I, I think I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for nine point five out of ten planets. Um, oh. Yeah, so it, it might be my favorite Batman movie, or it might be one of my favorites. Um, again, like upon rewatches, maybe I'll adjust like slightly lower. Maybe other titles will be higher. Like when I first watched it, my gut reaction was like the batman batman begins the dark knight batman returns and so i don't know if now it's shifted a bit lower but maybe it's still at the top i don't know i'll have to keep re-watching it but yeah scores can change but i, I really loved this movie yeah yeah i i totally hear where you're coming from i think i'm gonna echo a lot of what you said in regards to um i really did enjoy this one um i was looking forward to it for a very long time um and you know this is uh you know i think it was a culmination of a lot of things and i appreciate where they're going with this um i'm not saying i'm in love with this whole thing you know (laughs) i i i am not sitting you know uh calling it a masterpiece like a lot of people things even though you know everyone has a different definition of a masterpiece it, it, it's a matt stir piece <laughs> there you go there you go um you know that is like i i don't really have any qualms with this movie really i don't have any major issues with it um it is it's it's a long movie it's it's a big movie it's it's got a lot going on it's it's a movie I really enjoy, but it's not one that I'll go back to as much as I would, you know, The Dark Knight. Um, you know, I think it in for the most part, those movies kind of think speak to me more than this does. Mm. Um, in regards to just like action thriller, this is I feel like a completely different genre. Those are like a thriller. Like Dark Knight is a thriller. It's a just a nonstop thrill ride. This is a slow burn and that's going to appeal to different people. And I think naturally people are like, Oh my God, this is the best Batman movie ever. And I get where they're coming from. I don't really agree with them. But I totally <laughs> understand. Like this is speaking to you. It's not necessarily like from an emotional level, like hitting me where I live, but I definitely see where they're coming from. And I appreciate what they're doing in regards to making something that is, 
completely out in left field, completely apart from what we've seen before. Because if this was just Batman Begins again, we would be having <laughs> a completely different discussion. And I like the fact this movie is not trying to emulate Christopher Nolan's work. It's not trying to do, you know, Tim Tim Burton or anything like that. It's doing its own thing. It's it's made itself unique in this franchise and justifies itself in as a different unique take on Batman. And we needed that. We needed something because you know, you can make a billion different movies, but you make another Batman movie. Why? Why would you do that? Well, here we go. This is it, it does enough to make itself stand out and stand up and and I think easily one of the strongest Batman movies. I know there's some duds. There's some great ones. Maybe there's not as many great ones as there should be, but this is one <laughs> of the great ones. And it really, I think I'm look. I, I am. I think I'm more interested in like where the story's going to go. Like I'm not itching to go back and watch this one. Like I know people that have seen this like three times, three or four times in the theater. Like that's great. I'm not itching to go back to the theater and watch this again. But I am very interested to see where the story goes, and I will 100% pay whatever. Whatever money is, I know AMC is paying a little, charging a little extra these days for some movies. Yeah, um, ju just an arm and a leg. <laughs> just an arm and a leg. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, I didn't go to AMC. I probably won't go to AMC for a while, but uh, especially for this movie. But uh, you know, I am like when the Batman two rolls around, I'm I'm in that seat. You know, seeing whatever they're gonna do. So all that said, I'm gonna stop rambling and say. I'll give this a nine out of 10. I, I think I really did enjoy this one. I have almost no qualms with it. Um, it just, it, I don't, I didn't love it as much as a lot of people did. Um, but that doesn't mean that I hate it at all because I think it was, it was, a, it's a really enjoyable time. And I think if you are a Batman fan, you absolutely need to go out and see this one. This is a must, must watch. Yeah, so I guess between the two of us, it's an average of 9.25, and that, that feels right. I feel comfortable yeah. with that, yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, and, and anybody in the chat, feel free to post your uh, post your things. I should have said that earlier before we started this. But yeah, <laughs> we got a couple more minutes. So if you want to throw your, 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 your ratings down in the chat, we'll, uh, we'll read them off um, and compare them to ours. But uh, I think uh, I haven't heard much criticism in this movie, honestly. I think most of them is positive. So I'm expecting a lot of nines and tens. So, uh, yeah, this has been fun. This has been really fun. Uh, unfortunately, I think we are uh, a little running a little short on time. Unfortunately, some of us have to go to bed. Um, so uh, it, it has been fun, but I think we're going to start. The Batman it up. never sleeps. <laughs> this is just getting started for you. Uh, the <laughs> is still young, but uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. I could go on and on and on. Um, and, and I want to talk about other things too. You know, we talked before the show. We just finished Peacemaker. I, I like that show a lot. I would love to do a, do a whole episode on it, but I'm sure we're going to get to it um, because I already got some other stuff planned. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on in the DC universe and there's a whole lot to talk about with the Batman because we literally spent two hours talking about this movie. Okay. And we yeah. could have gone <laughs> on a little bit longer. Um, so it was a lot of fun, but, uh, yeah, definitely tune in later. Um, uh, best of luck to our good buddy, Zach Arnold, wherever he is tonight. Um, we're thinking about him and we're missing him and hopefully he will be back within the next few weeks. Um, he's got some 
uh, awesome career stuff work going on. So we uh, definitely miss him, but understand why he's not here and wish him the best. Um, uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, Steven, tell the people, first of all, thank you so much for, for showing up. I, I have to say, you you made this happen. You messaged <laughs> me and were like, when are we going to talk about the Batman? Are you, are you talking about the Batman? I'm like, I guess so. I'm going to see it to, like tomorrow. And you're like, okay, yeah, we'll I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll do this. Okay, we're doing an episode. Okay, that's fine. You know, I need to call yeah, it anyway, so let's do this. <laughs> yeah, it was like right after I watched it and you're like, okay, I think I'm going to see it on Tuesday. So yeah. <laughs> I could tell by the tone of your voice, you're like, he really enjoyed this and he has so many thoughts. And I'm like, okay, I'll be your outlet. Let's do it. Right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, please, uh, you got a lot of going on still. Uh, tell people where they can find you online and what you're doing and uh, all about your books and stuff. Yeah, so people can find info on my book, Lemons and Like Rain, over at stevenschinder.com, and you can find it at Amazon. I'm almost done with like editing the next book, Trespassing Through the Visages, um i was aiming for like maybe a summer release but i think it's possible it could be autumn depend on on how some other things um turn out in life you know some other affairs and whatever but yeah it's closer to coming out than ever before so just keep an eye out for that uh, you can follow me at steven schinder on instagram and twitter steven schinder storytelling on facebook and you can check out my podcast delayed replay where we uh, pretend that like the movies that got delayed came out uh, on time in an alternate universe and we do improv and make stuff up uh, the episode that's coming out tomorrow is on minecraft the movie uh, a live action minecraft movie that was supposed to come out this month oh my um, God. <laughs> yeah um i that one with my friend callum it was a lot of fun uh, i'm also on a podcast called yes shift uh, it's all one word, Y-E-S-S-H-I-F-T. I do that one with my dad. We talk about the progressive rock band, Yes. And uh, we, we have an interview coming up on the 26th with one of their former keyboardists, Oliver Wakeman. It's going to be done on Facebook Live at noon Pacific that day, I believe. So that'll be a lot of fun. And we have a nice backlog of episodes over at anchor.fm slash yes shift you can see all the platforms we're on or if you all see the video versions you could go to facebook.com slash yes shift and um i've also guested on uh mr multiverse's patreon uh, he's been on delayed replay before he has his own youtube channel but over on his patreon he has a podcast called the requalizers where uh tr where we try to imagine um what if there was a sequel to some famous movie that came out like what if it came out today and ignored the other sequels is just a sequel to the original so we talked about jaws a few weeks ago and tomorrow we're talking about a nightmare on elm street um and yeah i feel oh i was also on my friends uh dylan and keon's podcast inevitable uh classic sci-fi podcast we talked about an episode of the 1970 sci-fi show UFO, uh, the episode of Question of Priorities. It's a really dramatic one. And yeah, it was just a fun and humorous conversation. So you can check that out uh, over at decorativevegetable.com or just search Inevitable, a classic sci-fi podcast on podcast platforms. 
And yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. Uh, thanks for having me on this episode. Like, like we said, I was really excited to talk about this movie. So really glad we got to have this discussion. Yeah, this was this was excellent, excellent, excellent discussion. Thank you so much for for coming on. It's always always a pleasure. Um, and yeah, go go check out all the stuff you're doing. You, you've got your hands in so many things and uh, very, yeah, very exciting stuff. <laughs> um, you as far as uh, IPC goes, you can follow us at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, you can follow Zach at Zach the Voice, and literally everywhere. I think he's 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 got the branding down. Okay, so um, very yeah. very very <laughs> jealous of that very unique titling. Um, and uh, you can follow me at Ben Hart with no E on uh, the Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Even though I'm still not tweeting, I'm just this is my protest and protesting. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just. <laughs> I'm just um, I'm just trying to for my own mental health. Just trying to stay away yeah, from sight for me. But yeah, you're protesting the Grand Inquisitor's look. Man, y'all see, th- th- you're <laughs> gonna be glad that I'm not on Twitter because I would be complaining about that constantly. I'm not adding <laughs> to that dumpster fire of a discussion. Right, Lord. right. Um, you can also follow me at the Star Wars Underworld at the SWU. We do a show. Every single Thursday, 9 p.m., 9.30 p.m., I should should say, on uh, YouTube over on, on the Star Wars Underworld YouTube channel. Um, yeah, go check it out. It's fun. We talk about the the recent episodes about the Kenobi trailer, which uh, if we, had, if we had, didn't have the Batman, that's probably what we would have been discussing tonight. But uh, yeah, there's a lot to be discussed elsewhere. Um, and also follow me at Culture Slate, doing all kinds of crazy stuff over there. Definitely go check that out. Um, you can also find IPC on the aforementioned Patreon, patreon.com slash IPC podcast is where you can uh, throw a buck or two at us and support the show and get something back for us. That's great. Um, you can find us on Podbean, uh, ipcpodcast.podbean.com is where all of our uh, episodes are all the audio episodes are um i will give you an update i'm sorry the previous episode is still in production okay i'm sorry it's gonna come eventually okay i'm usually not this late but uh life's been crazy so uh but you can watch it on youtube they're actually no it's not on youtube that one was recorded on facebook it's on facebook okay just go to <laughs> facebook.com slash ipc podcast you will find it um no big deal um, you can find our swag at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast. Um, find barbecue watch t-shirts and all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, coasters, I think. There's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. I haven't tried quite checked uh, what they've added recently. But yeah, that's fine. And then also, finally, iTunes and really any podcatcher that has like a rating system and like reviews. Um, leave us a good review because not all reviewers are kind. Some of them are just mean for no reason, and they leave a one-star review. And we're like, what the hell? Um, this is We gave you a free podcast, and you gave us a one-star review. What the heck? Um, so, yeah, yeah, th- be a nice person and uh, help bump us up in the rankings and uh, leave us a five-star review. And you don't have to say anything, you know, whatever. Just we, we appreciate uh, that, if nothing else. Uh, iTunes specifically is one of the big ones it's actually not it's actually apple podcast now i keep saying itunes it's apple podcast there's no podcast on <laughs> itunes i don't think anymore it's completely different um so yeah that's uh that's all she really wrote for this podcast um thanks everyone 
for watching and uh coming on and and uh, and yeah i i think uh we did it the batman was great this podcast was great um and uh, we'll be back in two weeks i don't know what we'll be talking about maybe i do though maybe i do maybe i know who'll be here i don't uh steven you're always welcome back but i think i'll have a different co-host in two weeks and we'll be talking about something pretty darn interesting but uh yeah for steven and zach wherever you are my name is ben thanks everyone so much for watching and listening we love you so much and we hope to see you back here in two weeks but uh yeah this has been episode number 343 of the ipc podcast that's crazy um yeah <laughs> but yeah we're gonna leave you right now but before we leave you we're just gonna leave you with this thought I don't have one queued up. What do I say? What do I say? Oh, I got one. The <laughs> enemy of your enemy, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I just screwed that one up too. <laughs> the enemy of my enemy is my friend. We hope you won't be our enemy and you will come back uh, one day and be our po- listen to our podcast or whatever. Uh, I, Zach used to do these things so well and anytime he's away, <laughs> I just screw him up. Um, so I apologize, guys, and I will say thank you for putting up with my crap and good night. <laughs> good night. <laughs>
Hey guys, it's the Zach Attack here. Hope you all are doing well. Uh, first and foremost, I want to extend my thanks to Ben for holding down the fort in my absence. Um, I know that I've been kind of inconsistent at times with my appearances. I've done my best to try and communicate my absences when I can, but I know that I'm not always the best at it. And I appreciate his support and patience as I pursue my dreams. If y'all want to see what I'm doing while I'm not on IPC, just go follow my Facebook page, username at Zach the Voice. Uh, I'm doing baseball broadcasts for a local high school baseball team right now. And it's really fun, and it's really great for my career, but it does keep me from being on IPC, which is why you're hearing me on a voicemail type of deal instead of live and in person. Um, ben asked me to send in a voice memo talking about the Batman, so this is it. Here it goes. Hope you enjoy. So I'm going to preface this by saying that I'm coming into the Batman with a uh, very, very narrow view of uh, Batman as a genre. Um, a lot of my Batman consumption has strictly come from movies and television, and I really haven't consumed a whole lot of Pattinson either, because when Twilight came out, it was like a really cool thing for teenage guys to be very ugh and very against it. Uh, as a concept. So I know the story and I know the memes, but the only other Pattinson type of work I ever saw him in was in Harry Potter. So I don't have a whole lot of um, experience in his recent work and I don't have a whole lot of experience in the thing that, you know, made him kind of famous more or less. So I was coming into this with kind of blind eyes and low expectations. You know, um, I, I heard that it was going to be a mystery, that it was going to be a, a noir type of aspect, that uh, it may have kind of a, a slow buildup. But I had seen all of the previous Planet of the Apes movies, and so I liked the storytelling that Matt Reeves had experience in. And it seemed like it would be a really cool idea to take somebody that, you know, has made a career out of you know, brooding, deep-type characters in those types of genres, experience in science fiction and fantasy with Twilight and Harry Potter. You know, it seemed like a good fit, but I didn't really have any expectations. So um, my my best friend Mondo, my fiancé Edna, and my dad all went to a really, really nice AMC theaters not too far away from where I live, and um, I had to park the car because we were running a little bit late. That was my fault. But, um, you know, I ended up kind of missing maybe the first two or three minutes of the movie. Not very much. And, you know, when they caught me up on it, I was like, oh, okay, that's not a big deal. Um, but I, I think the thing that, that I would have, like, the biggest critique about this movie is that there were several instances where I felt like I could have come in later and still been brought up to speed. Um, I, I wasn't as gripped with this movie as I thought I would be. I wasn't as enraptured with this movie as, you know, some people were leading me to believe. I'm not going to point fingers and name names because this was a, a highly anticipated movie by a lot of my friends. And even people at IPC and Phantom Empire were telling me this is going to be great, this is going to be great, one of my most anticipated movies of the year. It was number four on my fiancé's list of most anticipated movies of the year. And I, I say this quite frankly, that I'm probably in the minority as far as people that 
were just kind of middle of the road about this film. And uh, I, I don't say that lightly. You know, I, I recognize that the movie's made a half a billion dollars at the point of the time that I was recording this. You know, it, it has done tremendously financially. Um, unfortunately, I feel like that's more a commentary on the movies that are out in theaters right now and less about the quality of this film. And when you're comparing the Batman to some of the other stuff that's currently in theaters, then, yeah, people are going to gravitate towards a name that they recognize. You know, if you hear Death on the Nile, you're going to have to be like, what the hell is that? And go research it and look it up and be like, oh, it's a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express. I wasn't even that thrilled about that movie. So, yeah, I'm going to go see the Batman because there's 15 other iterations of this on the screen that have been very exciting and well-received for other people. So I'm going to go ahead and see iteration number 16 now. And I, I don't know, like, I, I feel like there were a lot of things about this iteration that were very similar to other instances of Bruce Wayne that were part of other instances of other villains that we've seen. You know, uh, this is not a knock on Pattinson. This is not a knock on Paul Dano. This is not a knock on Colin Farrell. Um, I just... I didn't feel like I saw a whole lot of originality. And I, I don't know if that is a Reeves problem. I don't know if that's an acting problem. I don't know if that's a story problem. I, I really don't know if it can be classified as a problem even. I, I think the core problem is that the Batman concept has just been worn out. That teat has run dry for me. And there's just not a whole lot that will surprise me, that will enrapture me, that will captivate me the way other Batman-type stories have. I think DC is kind of grasping at straws, hoping for something to stick, and out of the stuff that they have put out there so far, I feel like this is going to stick better than most, but when your most popular stuff is independent films like The Joker... And then something that's completely separate from any of the other parts of the DC universe like the Batman is. I, I think that is very telling for how DC as a franchise is doing right now. Wonder Woman 1984, big part of the DCEU, supposed to help expand it, move it forward, not very well received. Snyder's Justice League, super well received, not a part of the DCEU anymore. Ben Affleck is leaving, The Flash keeps getting uh, pushed back and postponed, and... You know, Aquaman, you know, people are going to be up in arms over seeing Amber Heard back on the screen after the whole Johnny Depp fallout. There's just not a whole lot going for DC right now. And the fact that this is one of their better money makers to me, is kind of sad. I, I, I actually feel kind of badly for DC that this is their most successful product right now. And I don't know, like, again, I'm in the minority here. I feel like a lot of other people really, really enjoyed it. And I feel like part of that may be because a lot of other people have read some of the source material that this is supposed to be based off of. You know, the world's greatest detective, that kind of thing. Um, honestly, aside from the thumb drive mystery, if we're going to get into spoilers here, aside from, you know, solving the thumb drive problem, pretty much everything else was fairly straightforward. And a lot of that stuff I was kind of piecing together and figuring out myself. And some of these things the Batman didn't solve, Selina Kyle kind of solved them for him. 
So I don't necessarily know if he really is the world's greatest detective at this point. And I don't know if it's a story that we want to see um, where he's not all that great, where he's not the world's greatest detective, where he's not the hero that Gotham needs kind of thing. I understand that that's what they're trying to do with it. But when I see people on Twitter that are saying things like, I loved how raw and and gritty this character was. I loved how incomplete he was. Uh, I loved how he's still figuring himself out. Like, that's kind of Batman's MO. Like, a lot of the times, any iteration of Batman you see, whether it's animated or live action, Bruce Wayne has a really hard time figuring out which alter ego he's supposed to give more precedence to and there's a there's a line at the very beginning of the movie where he's like i don't have time for this and that basically just offhandedly dismisses anything else that bruce wayne is going to do for the rest of the movie 90 percent of it i would say revolves around the batman persona so we know exactly what his identity is his identity is he's dived way too far into trying to be the batman and is not taking care of Gotham City as Bruce Wayne. And that is something that basically every other iteration, including the younger version from the TV show Gotham, has been able to do. There are instances where teenage Bruce Wayne in the show Gotham is able to exert his influence and get a seating with the freaking Court of Owls because he's doing investigative work as a teenager and hasn't even put on the cowl yet. You don't even see him put on the cowl until the final season. And so to to have a distracted character, a distracted main character with a whopping identity crisis, for me, is really, really tough to embrace. Because the movie is called The Batman, but I would say more of it's about Catwoman. I would say more of it could even be about Alfred. I would say more of it is about Gordon. Like, I know that the title is supposed to be about the lead character, but there were a lot of other characters that were, you know, making this a moving parts ensemble type of film, but the direction and the camera work and the storytelling was was designed to be about Pattinson, and yet there were times that Pattinson felt like a supporting actor in his own movie, and I didn't really care for that. So, again... I keep saying this, like, I've said it a few times now. I haven't read the source material. I haven't. I haven't read the source material. I have seen all of the Dark Knight trilogy extensively. Uh, I have seen Affleck's Batman in several different iterations several times over. I have watched the Adam West Batman series. I have seen the Keaton movies. I've even seen Val Kilmer and George Clooney once or twice in my time. And so I, I can recognize who Bruce Wayne is supposed to be just pulling from the source material that I have. And like I said at the top, there wasn't a whole lot that was new. And and in fact, the times that there was something new, I looked at it going, it feels like you're trying too hard. And I told this to my friends right after I saw the movie. There were times that when the Batman was indeed trying to be different... When Pattinson's Batman movie was trying to be different, it felt like it was trying too hard to stand out, particularly from the Dark Knight trilogy. It looked like they were trying to tell us, hey, 
This is something that is absolutely, definitely, drastically not from Bale's The Dark Knight. Here's something that's completely the other direction. And I don't know if I have a particular instance in mind that comes to mind right off the top of my head. This is all stuff that's coming from my heart. This is all stuff that's coming off the cuff. This is just my impressions of what I saw when I saw it. It just, it felt like there was more to grab from Colin Farrell's Penguin character than there was from Pattinson. And that's why he's getting his own TV show. I'm actually intrigued to see what happens as the Penguin rises to power. But again, it feels like they're trying too hard. Danny DeVito's Penguin is still a classic to me. Again, that's not a knock on Colin Farrell, but he's no DeVito. He's also no Robin Lord Taylor. I will go back to this, and I will just stand on this soapbox as long as it needs to be stood upon. But when you're talking about a crime lord that starts from nothing and rises to power, there is no better example in my mind than Robin Lord Taylor's iteration of the Penguin. And his relationship with the Riddler character in that show is fantastic, because that character actually does speak in riddles constantly, to the point that he goes completely mad. He's not some orphan seeking revenge and doing it in a really clouded and convoluted manner. If you want a orphan story, you've got Bruce Wayne already. Why do we need another orphan story to show a comparison contrast of how privileged Bruce Wayne is? We know he's privileged. That's the whole goddamn idea. Like, I don't know why we needed to do a whole orphan origin story of the Riddler when the whole point of this Batman movie was to not see the orphan origin story. We wanted to see him establishing himself as the Batman. We didn't go back and look at his parents getting killed. We didn't go back and look at him being an orphan. They did that intentionally. They did that on purpose. And yet they still forced an orphan origin story down our throats with Paul Dano instead. Again, not a knock on Paul Dano. I enjoyed who he played. I enjoyed his character. I understand that to solve a mystery, you need someone to be, you know, leaving you clues and leaving you riddles. I understand that the Riddler was the choice for that. What I don't understand is why you would throw in a Joker reference at the very end of this movie just to get people excited for another version of the Joker all over again. People got excited for Joaquin Phoenix, justifiably so. But people also got excited for, you know, the tattooed, knocked up, you know, freaked up gangster Joker that we got in Suicide Squad. And he didn't even make an appearance in the Harley Quinn movie because people hated him so much. You know, there's just sometimes people get a little too hyped for that particular character because of the historic rivalry that exists between Batman and the Joker. We know that there's always going to be some kind of tension that goes on between the two of them, but I think the best examples of those come in the you know animated series, the Batman animated series with Mark Hamill, and it comes across really well in the, the Dark Knight, obviously. I don't know why we need another version. I don't know why they threw that in there. I I really don't understand why 
they would throw in something like that unless they're intending to introduce him and bring him into some sort of Gotham story uh, centered around this particular part of Gotham, this particular point in time. And I just don't see the need for it. Again, trying too hard. Again, trying to make it different, but also make it similar. And I don't feel like it did a very good job of doing either. That's the problem. Now, let's spend a couple of minutes talking about the things that I did enjoy. Because it's not like I hated this movie. Far from it. I just don't see it as like an amazing movie. I just see it as an average movie. I enjoyed it. I'm done. I'm moving on. But we should pay attention to some of the, uh, the the great that happened in there. And one of the greats is Zoe Kravitz. Oh my gosh. Kravitz is probably one of my favorite Catwomen. Like, the way that she presents herself, the way that she acts, the, the story, the motivations, the way that she is willing to go across a line that Batman isn't willing to go across in certain junctions of the movie... It's really, really telling of the chemistry that comes between the two of them and also the moral lines that come between them. They they do a really, really good job of presenting that and expressing that. The two of them have some great chemistry. The, the Detective Gordon character, I forget the actor's name offhand, but he and Batman have really, really good chemistry. I liked the comedic aspect of the cop being a big fan of Bruce Wayne and then calling the Batman a freak. It's a joke that only Batman fans will get who are seeing both sides of the equation. It's ironic in a really, really clever way. And I liked the uh, the sequence at the funeral. The scene at the funeral was probably the most breathtaking and the most grabbing for me. Seeing him as Bruce Wayne just trying to show his sympathies and then realizing that he has to step away from the Bruce Wayne uh, component of his life to introduce the Batman to try and help save the day. And he ends up answering the questions. He ends up, you know, solving the riddles in the moment under the biggest time crunch. Like, that's classic Batman. That, that, is, that is going all the way back to Adam West, Batman, where you've got a half hour to tell your story and you better solve those riddles quick or there could be severe consequences that we don't see on screen. Uh, in the Adam West version, it turns into, you know, pow, bluey, kablam. But in this one, you just kind of go off screen and, and see the explosions and, and hear people dying, which is great. It helps maintain the PG-13 rating. But if it's going to be truly dark and truly gritty and truly noir, um, I guess I probably would have liked to have seen some of those things. I just got done watching Peacemaker, and you know there are some scenes in that show where you actually see someone get beheaded, you actually see a person blow up. You know there are some instances where they get really, really graphic, and I feel like if this is going to be truly gritty and you truly want those deaths to have a meaning and have an impact, then maybe you need to incorporate something like that just a little bit more. Don't be afraid of the R rating and make those moments count. Kind of the way Joker did. Kind of the way, you know, um certain certain movies I would I was I'm trying to think of Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley is like a, a rehash of a classic um black and white film from the fifties, I think, maybe the forties. And you don't have a whole lot of gunshots, but when you do they make an impact. 
So if you're going to have those deaths, make them have an impact. I feel like that is one thing that the the Batman was lacking in. And there were probably a few other areas that it may have been lacking in. But it was still an enjoyable film. Three hours long? I don't know about that. Like, I don't know if it should have been three hours. But I understand that you need to try and do as much exposition as you can, as much character incorporation as you can, because you don't have the luxury of it being a full TV show like Gotham is. Gotham has several seasons that you can watch Robin Lord Taylor's Penguin Rise to Power. It has several seasons for you to watch the deterioration of the Riddler character. It has a lot of time to explore a lot of different components of Gotham City and the 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 depth and the extent to which all of that darkness goes to. So I, I fully recognize that this movie is probably just an introduction to this franchise, an introduction to this story. There's going to be that, that Gotham police show, I believe. There's going to be the Penguin show. I don't know if those two are the same thing or not. I forget off the top of my head. Again, all of this is just me speaking from the heart, speaking off the cuff. I'm not doing a whole lot of research. I'm just telling you how I felt about this movie. Um, I did enjoy it. It's an enjoyable film, but I don't feel like it's the best iteration or um, incorporation of Batman that we've ever seen. I don't feel like it is like the best movie of the year, not by a long shot. Um, and it, this isn't me being a diehard Marvel fan saying nothing's going to touch, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home or whatever, or No Way Home. Uh, it's not me trying to say that. I know that it's apples and oranges. I know full well that I, I can't compare DC to Marvel. But as far as filmography goes, as far as the story that it tried to tell, yes, I would say it achieved its goals. Its goal was to make a half a billion dollars. Guess what? It did that. Congratulations, Batman. Now let's do something different. And that's what I'm hoping to see from the cop show, from continuation of the Penguin storyline. I'm glad that we're going to get more from Gotham City because three hours just wasn't enough. This story, in my opinion, was a little too long for three hours. But at the same time, the type of exposition that they were hoping to achieve needs more than three hours. So a limited series where you're getting maybe an hour, an hour and a half in chunks as more and more continues to unfold, maybe that would have been better for this type of story that Reeves was trying to tell. I just don't feel like he got everything that he wanted to. It seemed pretty evident towards the last third of the movie that there were some things that had to be cut for the sake of getting it to those three hours. And I feel like if he had been able to do a two-parter, if he had been able to do a limited series, he might be able to have the storytelling that he really wanted to tell. So, um, all in all, this movie's probably like an 8 out of 10 for me. Maybe a 7.5. It's average. It's there. It exists. It's fun. It's worth watching. I just came into it with really low expectations, and they still didn't get met. So... Maybe that's my fault for not having read a lot of the comics and the source material. Maybe it's Reeves' fault because he tried to tell too much in not enough uh, story time allotted. I, I really don't know where to point fingers. I just know that it wasn't my favorite Batman. Um, Pattinson's not my favorite Batman, not by a long shot. Uh, 
Um, but it doesn't mean that this was a bad version. It just means that it needs a few tweaks and a few revisions. I'm obviously not the person for that. And uh, I, I, it's so easy to be, um, you know, a, a critic and to be someone that's looking at it from the bench when you're not part of the production, when you're not part of the writing staff. So, you know, take my opinion with a grain of salt, as always. Thanks for listening to it for as long as you have. This got drown, uh, drug out a, a lot longer than I was originally intending. But all in all, I would probably give it somewhere in the range of a 7.5 to an 8. I would say manage your expectations. I would say uh, enjoy it for what it's worth. I hope that it leaves you wanting more because uh, it definitely needs more to continue to tell its story. But overall, I feel like there's going to be other movies this year that are going to make people end up forgetting about the Batman. I'm not going to name names just yet because that's just my opinion. Um, I'm thrilled for those who loved it. I'm thrilled for those who enjoyed it. But I hope that for those who want an honest take on it from a cinematic standpoint, understand and appreciate where I'm coming from and just try to take the Batman with a huge grain of salt. It's fun. It's it's good. It's not great. It's not amazing. It's not spectacular. It's not going to blow your mind. It's just fun. And that's what you need to take it as. It's it's just a fun movie. It's not an amazing movie. It's not a Oscar winner, but it's it's a good film. And I would watch it once in theaters and then probably watch it again when it hits HBO. But I'm not going to pay 13 bucks for a ticket again. But, you know, that's just me. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning into this wherever it ends up in the show. Um, I'm glad I can record this on Audacity instead of sending an actual voicemail because I probably would have had to record five or six voicemails up to this point. Remember to go follow IPC Podcast on social media. Be sure to follow Ben at all his places at Ben Hart with no E. And follow me online at Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice. Uh, Like I said at the top of the show, I'm doing some baseball broadcasting right now, hoping to help that turn into a career. But whenever the season ends, I fully expect to be back behind the mic talking about all kinds of great summer releases and whatever lies beyond. So be well. I'll see you all very soon, I hope. And uh, until then, Ben, thanks again for holding down the fort. See y'all later, peacekeepers.